Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Hello. And welcome to Tuesday, March 7. My name is Luke Boner, and we are here to chat, to create some conversation, and to talk about whatever is happening in your neck of the woods. We go right around Australia, and as we have found out, we go right around the world. We're huge in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're huge in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, um, look, wherever you are around Australia or around the world, can I invite you to phone our hotline, one triple three five three and have a chat. Let's talk to each other. Let's get to know each other. And if you've never, ever, ever rung before, or maybe you've just tripped over this, yeah, mind your step, if you've just tripped over this program, um, we are here to, as I say, create some conversation and play some of the best rock that's ever been recorded. A little later this morning, the quickie, uh, we're into day three, day three today. So if you want to have a listen to the quickie and listen to the clues thus far, they're on a separate list on our podcast. So go your hardest, have a crack. But today is Truckee Tuesday and coming up in about an hour, Rod Hanafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association will join us as we look at the aftermath of one of the biggest trucking groups in Australia collapsing last week, the Scots Trucking Group. 1,500 jobs have been lost. And I understand that uh, all Aldis around Australia could well look a lot different from today. Your Aldi shop could be a little difficult from today. Transport workers are going to be holding protests outside Aldi locations right across the country following the collapse of Scott's. Now, Scott's Refrigerated Logistics has gone out of business after the administrators, Corda Mentha, were unable to find a buyer for the company. And as I said at the top of the show, it's left 1,500 staff unemployed. And the Transport Workers Union National Secretary, his name is Michael Kane, said the collapse was a tragedy of a supply chain crisis caused, he says, listen, by wealthy clients like Aldi squeezing transport contracts and profiting off the razor-thin margins of operators. Now, we've talked about this. And it's not just Aldi that we're using Scots uh, for transport. But according to the TWU, unlike Coles and Woolies, Aldi refused to sign a supply chain charter with the TWU and instead tried to silence truckies in court. But Mr. Kane says they lost twice. Michael Kane is also calling on the government to do more to support workers by bringing in transport reforms to make contracts more favourable to suppliers. Now, I'll talk to Rod Hannafy about this in 55 minutes. So the Transport Workers Union is going to hold protests at some Aldi locations today in most capital cities, including Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. Now, later on with Rod, we'll take calls from Scott's drivers. Uh, For those of you who listen 
to this program regularly, if you were listening yesterday, you, you would have heard a truck driver by the name of Kevin, who is a Scots driver. He is a Scots driver and doesn't know what he's going to do with himself. Yesterday, he told me that he's going to have to sell his home and maybe take up delivering meals with menu log. I then got calls from listeners, other truckies, saying, well, no, 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 things aren't that bad. And there are thousands of jobs across Australia in the trucking industry that they can't fill. Now, I, I don't know. I'm not a truckie. I try and stay in touch, and that's why we've introduced Truckee Tuesday with Rod Hannafy. But when Rod comes on in 55 minutes, I'd, I'd love to hear from truckies all over Australia, particularly if you are a Scots refrigerated logistics worker that's been stood down. Um, just what are the margins that Aldi were insisting on? And was it tougher to deliver to Aldi than it was to Coles and Woolies? Anyway, those protests are going on right around Australia today, and we will talk about it. Now, I've received a lot of uh, feedback from listeners wanting to talk about Bob Irwin, Steve Irwin's father. Uh, we talked about this a fair bit yesterday, and I had a lot of calls from people who live in far north Queensland saying that Bob Irwin is 100% correct. Now, to bring you up to speed, Steve Irwin's dad is among a group of conservationists who are calling for an investigation into whether animal cruelty was in fact involved in a crocodile attack that injured a man and killed a pet dog last week. Now, the crocodile took this dog moments after her owner had waded into the Bloomfield River in far north Queensland. Now, I've never been into the Bloomfield River in far north Queensland. But you, my listeners who have, have told me that there are signs everywhere saying, do not enter the water, danger, crocodiles, big signs. Why anyone would wade into a river with those signs and take your dog swimming in a river with those signs is beyond me. But it's happened and it's very, very sad. The owner of the dog was injured, but the dog was taken by the crocodile. And then the wildlife officers later shot it. It was a 4.2 metre croc and they confirmed that the dog's remains were found inside. So every time there is an attack by a croc or a shark, it looks as though the lynch mob with their pitchforks are hell-bent on going out and destroying it. Now, a couple of emails, only a couple, said that you've got to do that because these animals then get a taste for flesh, and they realise that humans are easy picking, and you've got to kill these animals. Now, most of you, most of you are agreeing with Bob Irwin that it's, it's unnecessary and that if you don't want to get taken by a crocodile, you don't go into a river in far north Queensland, a river that specifically has great big signs warning you that there are crocs there. Anyway, Bob Irwin, Steve's father, uh, is calling for an investigation into all of this. Um, crocs are protected and so too are great whites. It's not the great whites that are causing Australians dramas at the moment. It's the bull sharks. And this week we hope to be talking to an expert that can explain all this. But from what I understand, bull sharks have evolved very, very quickly. I mean, we're talking about dinosaurs here. 
And because of all the recent rain, a lot of the estuaries and rivers have a larger mix of fresh water than they would normally have. And bull sharks have adapted. And these sharks can live and breed in pretty much nearly 100% fresh water these days. They've evolved. And the thing is, their numbers are proliferating because when they breed upstream in the fresh water, there are no other predators. So they've got it on their own. So should we be culling bull sharks? Some emailers are saying yes, because of climate change and because of the, the world's weather changing, bull uh, sharks have adapted and there are now too many of them. Now, these are just emailers' opinions. There's absolutely, I don't think, any science behind all of this. But there you have it. You may have some thoughts on all of that, but thank you for your emails. I'll read some of them out a little bit later. Hey, um, Trevor Long will be joining us today. So it's not only Trucky Tuesday, it's Tech Tuesday. Trevor Long from uh, from um, Everything for the Man. This is a fascinating story. TikTok. God, how often do we talk about TikTok here on the program? TikTok is about to introduce a radical new feature. And it's going to turn the lives of many teenagers on their heads. I, I can't believe this. TikTok is going to introduce a 60-minute screen time. And guess what? It's on by default. The head of trust and safety for TikTok is Corman Keenan, who says, while there's no collectively endorsed position on the right amount of screen time or even the impact of screen time more broadly, TikTok's consulted the current academic research and experts at the Digital Wellness Lab at Boston Children's Hospital. And they've chosen a limit. The setting is going to be part of a range of new features which TikTok places under a banner of digital well-being. And they're looking to ensure users are given the tools and controls to get the most from the app. But TikTok are actually going to set limits on themselves. I find this fascinating. For teenagers... It's going to be a one-hour limit, and it's going to be turned on by default in the coming weeks. But importantly for parents, it's a toggle switch that they can simply turn off. TikTok also says it's important for parents to know that even with the limit turned on, a teenager can continue to watch TikTok after 60 minutes by entering a passcode on the screen. So this is what TikTok refers to as a prompt requiring the teen to make an active decision to extend their time. I wonder, I just wonder, because anything is possible in this day and age, I wonder if they'll introduce this on poker machines. Will they, the government, one day say all poker machines in this state will have to have a one-hour limit? And after somebody's been playing a poker machine for one hour continuously, it turns off and it cannot be switched on for X amount of time. What do you reckon? The technology is available. If we have a, 
a problem with problem gambling, with addictive gambling, could this technology be transferred to poker machine screens where they can only be played continuously for X amount of time? What do you reckon? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Just getting back to TikTok, I find this incredible that they've decided to introduce this on their own. Um, if if you have a problem with a kid playing too many games on their computer, and a lot of these games are very addictive, they're invented and developed by geniuses whose job it is to keep people playing them as long as possible. Uh, to me, it is a form of gambling or an introduction to gambling. And people always say, oh, what about the parents? It's up to the parents. Well, some parents would argue they can't be everywhere. And in this day and age, we have more single parents raising children than ever before. So mum or dad who's raising the children are at work all day and they can't be watching over a child's shoulder every minute. So is it now up to technology? for us to introduce technology that will help babysit our children. Well, I don't know. What do you make of it? One triple three five three is the telephone number. If TikTok is now going to set default screen time, a default screen time limit for teenagers, should poker machines have the same thing? Does anyone really need to play a, a, a single poker machine for an hour or more? I, I wonder if they'll, I wonder if they'll do this. I, I don't know. You tell me one triple three five three. Is the telephone number. Look, there's plenty of other stuff I, I want to talk about, but um, if you want to join the program and create some conversation with me, it's uh, it's up to you. I've also had some fantastic email feedback from people who reckon that they too have yanked their children out of school and have taken them on the road. Last week, we talked about a mum who was convinced that her family would do better on the road. And so she took them out of school, ditched everything. They bought an RV and off they went. They went around the country. Kirsten Saul, 32, said she dreamed of living with her kids, Kinley, who's 12, and Zeke, who was six, after seeing other families have an adventure online. And so she said, that's what we're going to do. She persuaded her husband, David, to sell their home. They sold everything they owned. They bought a 45-foot RV, and off they went. And they decided to take their kids out of school and give them an education on the road. You know what? I reckon it's a great idea. I reckon your kids would learn more, and you'd probably have a closer family by doing this. And I've had people ring me before. So if, if that's you, if, if you've ever thought of it, but if you've, if you've actually done it, taken the kids out of school and gone roaming around the country in a bus, in a caravan, in an RV, I would love to hear your stories. The question I've got for you, did your children learn more about life on the road than they did in a classroom? And I bet you the answer is yes. Uh, some great emails coming through from families who have done exactly this, and I'll read some of those out for you. Now, Thomas. Yes, Luke. I've got a confession to make. Uh, this would probably not come as a shock to many of my regular listeners, but I am ashamed of myself. What have you done now? I am ashamed of myself. I'm hanging my head in shame. I've got a bit of a story for you. 
Well, f- first of all, I'm, I'm ashamed because I am sexist. Okay. I don't know if I'm misogynistic or a narcissist. I don't think I'm any of them, but I am a sexist. You, you want to hear what happened? Yeah, elaborate for me. I'm, I'm going to elaborate intrigued. for you. I'm going to elaborate for By the way, I'm $620 out of pocket because I, for, I, I neglected to have one thing in my boot yesterday. Can you guess what I'm talking about? Oh, it would be, if it's in your boot, it's car related, I'm sure. Yep. Yesterday, I got down to the car park to my special spot, put the key in the ignition. I see where this is going. There was nothing there. The battery was completely flat. I knew something was up with the battery on the weekend. I went to start the car on Sunday, and it went, and it sort of chugged before it started. I thought, oh, that doesn't sound good. Did I do anything about it then? No. No. So I get in the car, flat as a tack. Flat as a tack, no battery. No problem. Plenty of people downstairs. All I needed was a set of jumper leads. None. They're in Nikki's car. The jumper leads are in the other car. It's always when you need the thing as well. They're in the most inconvenient place. No shops open at 5.30 in the morning. So I come back up here to Triple M, uh, all, most of my colleagues who start at 5.30 in the morning, you know, all the early ones. Yeah, all the early rises. They all come in in taxis. So they haven't got their cars here. Yeah. They haven't got jumper leads. So I went down to the loading dock and to the security people, who are very nice people. Not a jumper lead in sight. So I've rung the NRMA which is the National Road Service, National Roads and Motoring Association in New South Wales, right? It's New South Wales version of RSAQ. The NRMA membership in the car has lapsed. Oh, right. So I had to rejoin. At the most convenient time. 120 bucks, no problem. That's, that's, that's really money well spent. Okay, I should, have, I should have had it up to date. So I joined. And she said, if, now, for us to come and get you going, uh, there's a surcharge. 200 bucks. Right. 320. Yeah. Wait, there's more. But anyway, um, so I gave them all my details, my phone number, blah, 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 and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I got a text from the NRMA saying, your service provider is 10 minutes away. You can track their progress by pushing on this. And there they were, eight minutes away, six minutes away. Your service provider will ring you shortly. My phone rings. Hello. Hi, this is the NRMA. Just calling to let you know that we are only four minutes away. Are you at such and such destination? Yes, yes, I am. So along comes the NRMA truck. And I wave. Pulls over. And it's a, it's a female. Right. It's a woman. Now, when the phone call came, it was a female voice. I just assumed that that was the service desk back at the HR, at the headquarters. Sure, sure yeah. The mechanic... The NRMA mechanic was a woman. I wasn't expecting that. I am sexist. I am sexist. I assumed that the lovely voice on the phone was a girl at a switchboard. That the NRMA mechanic was going to be a man. I am a bloody sexist. Or is it that collectively we expect 
these roles to be filled by males. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You can't expect anything anymore. Well, let me just tell you this, listeners. This NRMA mechanic technician, her name is Chris, and she's listening now. And she was an absolute star. Not only was she a great mechanic, but for, for PR, for public relations for the NRMA, she is a absolute star. She knows her stuff backwards. I said, how long have you been doing this? She said, oh, I've only been with the NRMA a fairly short time, but I've been a mechanic all my life. I don't know. I don't want to say how old she looked because I'll get in trouble because I'll get it wrong. But, I mean, she's, she's not that old. She's young and vibrant, full of personality, full of knowledge. And she said, I've got a dream job. I love working with the NRMA. I get to help people who are stuck and who are stressed, and, I, and uh, I, I'm able to help them straight away. She said, it's a very, very rewarding job. Well, I'm, if the NRMA are listening, and media monitors will have triggered on this by now, and they're, they're going to hear this later today. Mm. Whoever helped me out yesterday... At Triple M Central, and the name was Chris. She is an absolute star, and you need more of them. She was fantastic. How presumptuous of me to think that the mechanic that was going to arrive was a man. Mm. I am so bad. I'm ashamed of myself. I want to send a shout-out to all the women working in traditional men's jobs, in the mines, in the trucking industry, any mechanics. I wonder if there are diesel mechanics who are women listening to us now. I want to send a big shout out. I want to talk to women who are in traditionally men's jobs. I want to hear from you. One triple three five three. Was it a hard thing to become a mechanic or a carpenter or a builder or a plumber or anyone, any female working in a man's world? Tell me how you're adjusting. How did you start? Was it tough going through your traineeship because you're a woman? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you were welcomed with open arms. I would have thought that being a mechanic and a woman would be tough because, Thomas, those workshops can be pretty blokey. Yeah. And the yeah. Cal- you know, and traditionally mechanics have those calendars up on the wall and yeah, all that I sort of stuff. No, exactly what you're talking about. And I'm tipping that in uh, a, a mechanics workshop, there'd be a bit of fruity language. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it would be hard work too, physical work. But this girl, Chris, now working for the NRMA, she was an absolute star. So I hope she's listening. And if the NRMA are listening, give her a, she needs to be your PR. She needs to be, uh, on your posters or whatever. And, and I'd love to hear, as I say, from any woman listening to our program right now, that's working in a traditional man's world. Tell us what you do. What do you do? And what was the training like? And what was it like working in a man's world? One, triple, three, five, three. I wonder what we'll get. Listen, there's plenty of other things I want to talk about this morning. Rod Hannafy joining us in the 35 minutes from the uh, Road Freighters Association. It's Truckee Tuesday. We're going to look at Scott's. How could this have been avoided? How much heads up? Did the trucking industry and the TWU have that Scots was going under? What were the warning signs and how can we make sure this never happens again? What are the margins that Aldi were putting on the trucking industry? As I say, there were going to be protests right around Australia, organised by the TWU, 
and I wonder if Aldi will listen. But I need to hear from people who are on the inside of all of this. All I am is the conduit. I can shine a light on it, but I need you to help me. So why don't you jump on board right now? The number's there, one triple three five three. Lines are now open, and we can start taking calls. It's all about conversation and getting to know each other. If you've never rung before, how about you make today your day? And if you are a member of our Night Shift family, come on down and say good day and reacquaint yourself. One triple three five three is the number. The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Morning, Triple M. This is Tom speaking. Now, uh, for our listeners in the Bathurst area through B Rock FM uh, 99.3, uh, I want to send uh, a cheerio and a shout out to those people who are at Hill End who are being uh, threatened by fires. The current situation, uh, according to the New South Wales Rural Fire Service online, is that the fire is still burning in bushland north of Hill End and is not yet under control. The fire is spreading in an easterly direction and has crossed Alpha Road and Hill End Road. Conditions have eased late last night, but are expected to return to forecast worsening conditions today. And there is likely to be a prolonged firefighting effort over the coming days. Now, yesterday, firefighters undertook property protection along Alpha Road and Hill End Road. And with easing conditions are now monitoring the area. And tonight, firefighters and machinery will continue to work in the Lawler's Flat area to slow the spread of this fire. Hill End Road is closed between Hargraves and the intersection of the Turandale Road. So, the New South Wales Rural Fire Service is saying if you're in the area of Alpha Road, Hill End Road, and Tambora and Sally's Flat, Maitland Camp, and Doherty's Junction, monitor the conditions and know what you will do if the situation changes. Now, know what you will do if the fire impacts on where you are. And they're saying identify a safety, uh, a safety location in case the situation changes. This may include a well-cleared area or a solid structure, maybe a home. If you're not prepared to the highest level, leaving early is the safest option. So our thoughts are with those people listening to us through Bathurst's B-Rock FM. And uh, that's the current situation, according to the New South Wales Rural Fire Service. If there are people in that area who are listening to us now, uh, can you give us a call? Let us know how you are. What are you seeing? What's the latest? One triple three five three. I'd love to hear from you and tell us how you're traveling. We, we care. One triple three five three is the telephone number. We will take a quick break. We'll come back and talk. Rod Hanafy, the president of the National Road Freighters Association in 25 minutes from now. Yeah, that's me, Rod Hanafy, coming up soon. And uh, we'll try and get rid of the quickie later this morning. If you want to hear the clues thus far and have another listen to what the quickie is all about, go to our podcast, Night Shift on Triple M. It's a separate clip. Good day, Martin. G'day, Luke. How you going? I'm okay, Martin. What's on your mind, mate? What's going on in your world? Okay. Um, I have it through good authority uh, from a driver from Scots. You, hang on. Um, you, you've, got, you've got something on good authority from Scots. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay. What's, what's, what's the inside scoop? Well, for your listeners over in Western Australia, they, um, they might want to stock up on 
the essentials that normally come over with Scots, whatever they may be. But um, there's about between 50 and 60 containers sitting in Sydney that have not been shipped via rail, which they would normally be shipped via rail, um, and they haven't been sent out because the bill hasn't been paid to transport them. Well, that's that's your inside information. I, I would wait until that's confirmed because, Martin, the last thing in the world we want to do is start panic buying when it's unnecessary. Oh, look, I understand that, but that's it's definitely inside information from a mate of mine. So. Right. Okay, a mate of a mate of a mate. I'll, I'll leave that one there, Martin, and I'll wait until your mate who is the first-hand giver of this information, gives me a call. I don't pay any attention to second- and third-hand information. We won't put any more of those second-hand calls to wear, thanks, Thomas. Okay, that's irresponsible, and we don't want people to be panic-buying. So I don't want to hear information from a mate of a mate and my best friend's next-door neighbour's wife. If uh, if you have first-hand information, sure, I'm happy to... Uh, to look at that, but I'm not going ahead with rumours this morning. It would be highly irresponsible. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Just before um, we go on with other things, um, I wanted to uh, bring this information to you. I don't know how many of you are going to be following the American presidential election. It's an absolute circus at the moment. It is an absolute circus. And it would appear to me that the Republican Party is imploding. It's it's sort of like a they've gone to war on themselves. And um, if you are a conservative and if you are a Donald Trump fan, I don't know how many of you out there in Triple M land are Donald Trump fans, it would appear that the Republican Party or the Republican Party is doing everything it can to make sure that the Democrats win the next election. I wonder how many of you have heard the Donald Trump song. He has released a song on Spotify and YouTube. Anyway, I'll I'll tell you more about that. It's called Justice for All. And you won't believe who the backup singers are on this song. (laughs) It's called the J6 Prison Choir. Does that give you a, a hint? It features people who have been incarcerated and sent to jail because of their involvement in the January 6th riots. And Donald Trump has got them together and formed a choir. This is absolutely unbelievable. So President Donald Trump says that he's going to continue his third presidential campaign, even if he's indicted. Trump says, I'm not even going to think about leaving. Uh, As you know, Trump is under investigation by prosecutors probing his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And that's uh, along with his handling of classified documents and, and a lot of other issues. So he was speaking at the CPAC conference. That's the Conservative Political Action Conference. And he said he's going to fight on. But he's, he's also released a song with the J6 Prison Choir. Dr. Keith Souter is our expert on, uh, on all things overseas. And uh, <laughs> wait, 
Wait until you hear this song, folks. Wait until you hear this song. Dr. Keith Suter joins us on the phone right now. Keith, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Well, this Republican race is really heating up. And I wonder, Dr. Keith, is the Republican Party about to implode? Donald Trump says he is going to continue his third presidential campaign, even if he's indicted. You've got Larry Hogan, who's dropped out. You've got Ron DeSantis looking as though he's the top potential Trump challenger. But what is happening to this Republican Party? <laughs> yeah, so we've just had in, in Maryland um, the annual gathering of the um, a major conservative um, coalition. The CPAC, and the Conservative the Political C- Action Conference. Action, that's right. So, um, And Trump was the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Now, in past years, you've had more of a, of a diversity of Republican candidates or conservative candidates. This time round, however, it was quite clear that a lot of people did not want to attend. Um, and so it was left with mainly Trump loyalists and certainly in the straw poll that was taken amongst the delegates there, clearly three quarters supported Trump um, and less than a, a quarter of it uh, supported Ron DeSantis. Now, what is interesting is that we're getting a number of people who are putting their hands up and then withdrawing. Now, of course, Nikki Haley, who is a mm-hmm. former ambassador to the UN appointed by Trump, uh, she has uh, put her hand up. She very bravely. She was the first person. Yep, we, we, we covered is, that two weeks ago. Yeah, we did indeed. And and you know she's still keeping her hand up. She has um, come up with the idea that all the candidates aged over seventy five should be tested to make sure that their IQ is still okay. Yeah. That's obviously a, a go at Biden, but it also includes Trump. Mm-hmm. He's over that age as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's her uh, thing. She's talking about the need for a new generation, uh, and of course, she's female and uh, of um, uh, Asian origin as well. So, you know, she she's got a lot going for her there. Larry Hogan, uh, as you've said, has, has just dropped out. Uh, not at all well known outside of the immediate Republican Party. He, uh, as the saying goes, uh, is or has been. He's just retired been a, a red governor in a blue state. So mm-hmm. that's actually Maryland state. And um, he uh, opposed Trump right from the very beginning of Trump's candidacy. So we're back to 2015. So he's got the runs on the board. Um, and there were moderates who, in the Republican Party, what are called the never Trump Republicans. Um, in other words, these are, these are people who are only going to vote for a, a Republican candidate, but they will never vote for Trump. And if Trump is the candidate, they won't vote. So this is the, the dilemma for the Republican Party. This is why I think that they're, they're heading into almost a civil war type situation. Yeah. Trump clearly dominates the headlines and clearly has a lot of loyal support. But it, it's, it's a small group, but they're very active. Yeah. Uh, His challenge is to appeal to a broader segment of the American population, and he can't do that. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think I, that the figures probably changed now, but when you and I were talking about Nikki Haley last week, uh, there was a poll that suggested that nearly 28% of Republican voters would vote for Trump if he was an independent. Yeah, uh, that's another issue which has just arisen. The chair of the Republican National Committee is now requiring uh, any Republican candidate to sign a pledge mm-hmm. saying that they will not run as an independent. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see whether Trump 
will make that commitment. Yeah. Now, the problem is that um, uh, independents never get very far in American politics. This goes back for many, many decades, for much of last century. What they tend to do is to split the vote. So if you go back to uh, the most celebrated one, well, there have been a couple. I'll give you a couple of examples. The most celebrated one is 1992, um, that the um, President George Bush Sr., having just won uh, the war in the Gulf, uh, liberating Kuwait from Iraq. Um, he was then regarded as the most popular American president since polling had begun. Mm. And so most of the Democrat contenders decided, no, that's not worth their while. In fact, somebody even suggested the Democrat Party should nominate George Bush as well, save, save a, mm. a lengthy election campaign. However, this gave the opportunity for Bill Clinton right. to come up with a whole new campaign slogan, not touching foreign affairs, but with the slogan, is the economy stupid? Because the economy was in trouble. Meanwhile, on the right wing, you had um, a person, a multimillionaire in the computer industry who decided to run on the Republican, well, as a, an independent conservative. And he then split George Bush's vote. Yes. And so George Bush Sr. did not get re-elected and, and Clinton pulled off this remarkable success in 1992. And then if you go up to the year 2000, um, the problem occurs on the left because this was the, the campaign between Al Gore and George Bush Jr. Mm. in the year 2000. And on the left, you had a Green candidate who decided to run and Ralph Nader, That's and he right. split the left vote, which enabled George Bush Jr. to get elected for the yes, first time. And of course, yes. he later got re-elected. So third parties are ones that can split the vote. Mm. And the fear of the Republican Party is that if Bush, uh, sorry, if Trump is not their candidate, then Trump will run, as, as you say, as, as an independent candidate and will split the conservatives' vote and so that'll create a window of opportunity for Biden or, or whoever is going to run on behalf of the Democrats. It'll be very interesting to see if Trump signs that agreement. I bet he doesn't. <laughs> well, you know, that's got implications of his own. I yep, bet he doesn't. Absolutely. Hey, listen, while we're on Trump, uh, I don't know what your taste in music's like, um, but I've got to play you something. Are you ready? Yeah, okay, fine. Don't turn off, folks. Don't. There's, there's more. <laughs> Don't turn off. Just wait. Just wait. And to the republic for which it stands. Okay, that's enough. Uh, Donald <laughs> Donald Trump has released, folks, a single. It's a charity single. It's recorded. I'll let Dr. Keith Suter explain. It's a it's a very special choir. He's put it together. They're people who are associated with the uh, January 6th, and they're the ones who are now subject to legal inquiries of one sort or another. So he's got a, a choir of convicts uh, backing him up. <laughs> it's called the, in this remarkable song. It's called the J6 Prison Choir. Yeah, and the song <laughs> is streaming on Spotify and Apple and YouTube. Um, my God, are people downloading this? Is is, is it? Is it, is it going to be a top 10? 
Well, who knows? It's certainly doing well. And remember, this is Trump. He made politics interesting. And so people are fascinated. Not everybody. You know, even in the Republican Party, you've got people who will never vote for Donald Trump. But you've got to acknowledge that there are some people in America who will continue to support Trump no matter what he says. For example, the speech that he gave over the weekend uh, where he claimed that uh, he created more jobs than any other president was simply not true. In fact, Bill Clinton did that in the early 90s when he came to office. He created more jobs. But if you repeat a lie often enough, people get around to believing it. And this is... So if you want to get an analogy with Donald Trump, the, the, the guy is Steve Jobs, um, and, and the, the, he operates on the basis of a distorted reality field. In other words, Steve Jobs would say to a computer expert, I want you to speed up a computer by 10 seconds. Um, and the computer experts will say, no, it can't be done, can't be done. And Steve Jobs will say, yes, it can. And they would then come back weeks later and they've actually accelerated the computer speed by 28 seconds. Mm. They've actually exceeded expectation. This is Steve being able to mesmerize mm. people into doing well. And Donald Trump has that same impact on some people. Yeah. But fancy recording a, a choir of men held in a Washington, D.C. prison for their parts in the January 6th insurrection that, that, that Trump incited. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that'll, that'll do me. That'll just, that'll do, <laughs> honestly, only in America, hey, Dr. Keith? Absolutely. That's why American politics is so interesting. Australian politics is just so bland. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, Dr. Keith, thank you for the lesson once again. Um, we'll listen to your podcast. It's called Global Truth. It's on the Listener app. Uh, Dr. Keith Suter, Managing Director of the Global Directions Think Tank. Can't wait for the next lesson. Good. Thank you. The Night Shift. Around Australia on the Triple M Network. The Night Shift. All righty then. Um, coming up very soon, Rod Hannafy. He'll pull over somewhere around Australia and talk to us, the nation, on what we've called Trucky Tuesday. And the big trucky issue at the moment is the collapse of Scots. And I've received a number of phone calls and emails from ex-Scots employees with all sorts of, <clears throat> of allegations as to what happened. Um, I'd like to hear from drivers. We specifically want to hear from Scots drivers. What have you been told? What's the union telling you? And what are your job prospects now? Uh, Yesterday on the program, I received a lot of phone calls from people in the trucking industry, people who are lucky enough to have jobs, and they're telling me that there are thousands of jobs available. So is this as dire as the headlines would suggest? But the problem is, how did it happen in the first place? How did it happen in the first place? I don't want to hear secondhand stories of freight not going from one place to another. Uh, I don't want to hear, oh, that's, that's a, a story that I heard from a mate, from a mate, from a mate. No, 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 no. I want to hear directly from Scott's employees. What have you seen and what have you been told? And maybe you have a theory on how this happened and how we can make sure it doesn't happen again. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Rod Hanafi's coming up next here on The Night Shift on Triple M.
Yes, you're a classic from Europe. The final countdown here on the night shift with Luke Boner, one triple three five three. Rod Hannafy coming up soon. Look, I've had so many people since I started the program here on the night shift tell me, uh, email me and ring me and say thank you for putting me onto this power pollen. This nature bee power pollen is a freak of nature. Nature, because it's provided by Mother Nature, pollen collected by bees, but it's a freak because it contains every vitamin known to man. 27 different vitamins and aminos, powerful antioxidants, weight for weight, more iron than, than spinach, more protein than red meat, more calcium than milk. And it's in this little golden capsule. Taste it. If you know someone with some before with some nature bee, say, can I have one of your capsules, break it open and taste it. It has a beautiful honey nutty flavor. Now go to any of your other vitamins that you buy over the counter and taste them Ugh. because they've been made in the laboratory. This is nature. And here's the challenge. I'm challenging you to switch. If you're already on a vitamin supplement, I'm challenging you to switch to nature bee power pollen. If it doesn't give you more energy, a better night's sleep, a wonderful feeling of well-being, a boosted immune system, all of these things I'm promising you, if it doesn't, you get your money back. Now, the other vitamins that you're taking over the counter, do they offer a money-back guarantee? No, they don't. I wouldn't endorse this if it didn't come with a money-back guarantee. Powerpollen.com. .au. This is a, not a, a fly-by-night thing. The ancient Egyptians recognized pollen as an ability to energize and to heal and invigorate. Just look at the testimonials. If you go to powerpollen.com.au, read the testimonials. Listen to the people that ring me. It changes your life and you get your money back if it doesn't do everything I've said. They say there's no risk. It works out to just 85 cents a day. One um, powerpollen.com.au powerpollen.com.au and you'll see my face on the website so you know you're at the right place. I'm going to take a quick break. Rod Hannafy, who loves his nature bee, travels the country. He's Kenworth with his nature bee. Has it every day, two every morning. Uh, he joins me next on Trucky Tuesday. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Tuesday, March 7, Truckee Tuesday with Rod Hannafy, President of the National Road Freighters Association. Rod is here to take your calls. If there's an issue that you'd like Rod to look into for you, that's what he does. Uh, the telephone number is 13353. Um, I guess the biggest story, not I guess, without a doubt, the biggest story uh, in the trucking industry at the moment is the Scots Trucking Group Collapse. This is not just the biggest story of the week of the year. It's probably the biggest story of the decade as far as trucks are concerned. It's leaving about 1,500 people without jobs, or is it? I don't know. I'm not in the trucking industry. I try and reach out and be become a conduit for people in the trucking industry. But I'm hearing, at least from callers last night, that there is hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel for people without jobs because 
we are in the midst of a huge driver shortage here in Australia. Rod Hanafi's online right now. Where are you, Rod? Good morning. Good morning, mate. I'm uh, in Sydney at Yonora. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're not out there somewhere in the wilderness. No, no, no. I uh, only found out that I was coming there and I've got to unload and reload tomorrow. So, yeah, still uh, a bit of fun. And I'm at one of these places where they say, let's build a great big uh, storage facility and make it really hard to get trucks in and out of there. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Rod Hanafi. Let's talk about the Scots collapse. You've been in touch with drivers all week. You and I broke the story last week. Um, so how did this happen? Well, I'm dying to hear your, your opinion on all of this. How did this happen? How much warning did we all have, did you all have, that this was going to happen? And how can we make sure it never happens again? Rod, please give us your important thoughts on all of this. I mean, it's, it's a terrible tragedy to see the way that it's um, folded out. Now, it would seem, and I suppose we'll all find out things further as we go along, that they've been in trouble for a while. Uh, But, of course, the drivers have been the last to find out as per normal. Um, I believe today was uh, I saw one of their trucks on the road and I had a bloke ring me, his wife worked for them, and said that... um, He'd heard that it was all finished and that there was a, a truck doing a changeover tonight. And he sort of asked what was going to happen with all of the stock that they carry. Now, I imagine they'd empty all the trucks so I, they don't own the freight. So you wouldn't see all that stuff going to waste. He had a concern that maybe stuff in storage was, was going to end up being lost or thrown away. And that'd be a terrible waste as well. Yeah. But the drivers, you know, uh, virtually found out what you know, a week ago when we all heard about it. Uh, and, and today it's finished. There was a, a bid during the week and it was looked at being bought by both uh, Lindsay Brothers and, and Limfox Transport was what I read in the industry press. Uh, Toll had looked at it and walked away and, and they were concerned at the, the level of debt. I believe over $100 million is what I read in industry press. That was That was the level of debt and that was why the others had shied away. Uh, and, of course, we found out virtually today that um, but not, neither of those companies had either found the funds or were interested in buying it as it stood, and they all got notice, and virtually uh, they're all finished up as of now. The Transport Workers Union National Secretary, I know you know Michael Kane. Let me just read you, quote, what he has said. He says that this collapse was a tragedy of a supply chain crisis, caused by wealthy clients like Aldi squeezing transport contracts and profiting off the razor-thin margins of operators. Now, Aldi, which accounted for about 3% of Scott's business, has obviously rejected the claims. Mr. Kane said, unlike Coles and Woolies, Aldi has refused to sign a supply chain charter with the TWU and instead tried to silence truckies in court but lost. He's also calling on the government to do more to support workers by bringing in transport reforms to make contracts more favourable to suppliers. Now, as I'm an outsider on all of this, Rod, you're an insider. What can you tell us? As you say, mate, it was only 3%. Uh, Aldi had a lot of their own trucks on the road delivering locally and things like that. 
um, the Scott stuff would have been through major suppliers into their uh, DCs, distribution centres. Uh, I've got to say it's a little while since I've been to an Aldi DC, but uh, the way that they operate in the DCs um, is far better than most of the Coles and Woolies sites that I deliver to. Uh, you know, quite often you'll sit at those sites for three and four hours and only once out of probably 100, 150 times was I ever delayed in an Aldi site. They're a lot better organised that way. Uh, but, look, they are privately owned. Um, they, they do make a hell of a lot of money. And, and Michael would know what those wages were and what their contracts were and what their conditions were far more than I would. Uh, and obviously their drivers would as well. But whether they were, uh, whether you can attribute it all to Aldi, surely it, it's got to go to the management, the way that it was operated. Mm. We had that bloke ring in last week and say that he'd been there many, many years. And once it was taken over by this consortium that had it, um, it things changed. And obviously they take it over with a view to make money, uh, and to do that they squeeze things and they they, they try and find you know shortcuts for things uh, to make money for shareholders. And look, years ago, I honestly believe the share market's got a hell of a lot to do with with the way of life for a lot of people now. Years ago, you made enough money for you and the boss, and everybody was happy and people had jobs. The share market came along, and now you have to make money not only for the for the bosses and, and yourself, but you've got to make money for shareholders who do nothing but contribute money to a company they don't you know have real interest or personal contact with, but you've got to make them a lot of money. Otherwise, they're, they're not happy with you and they'll go elsewhere. And uh, I don't think that you know them being so far removed and yet wanting so much money out of it um, I think that makes a hell of a difference on how people are treated, particularly in those bigger companies that are responsible to shareholders. Well, of course, when you have a company that you want to go public and you are looking for investors, you have what's called a prospectus to encourage people to put their money into your company. And so the prospectus would say, we are promising you or guaranteeing you X amount of return over a 12-month period or whatever. So they, they do have an obligation to shareholders. But, um, you know, without shareholders, how many of these companies would go under anyway? Well, I think you look at it the other way. You know, you, you years ago you had the bloke with the truck and, and there was a lot more owner drivers and blokes that worked for many different companies. Um, and, and they survived and did well out of it. They ended up with more trucks. But then as soon as you get to that corporate style of thing where people buy into the company with a, an intent just to make profit, and, and obviously they've got to do that in, in different ways. And one of the ways they do it is screwing the drivers. You know, if they can cheat you out of a cent each time, well, then over a lot of drivers, they make a lot of money. But, you know, because they're doing that, that then passes on to those shareholders who, as I say, have, have had no personal interest and done nothing to contribute other than lend the money, which, you know, they don't generally need as much as the poor bloke doing the job. Okay. Rod Hennefy, president of the National Road Freighters Association. I was getting calls on the night shift last night from drivers saying, listen, there are plenty of jobs out there for experienced drivers. We are in the middle of a driver shortage. Is that correct? Oh, we are, mate. It has been, and, and there have been companies folding, and you've only got to look at many of the ones that have folded recently have said it is hard to get drivers. They've ended up with trucks parked up, and, of course, they can't make money out of it. They can't get rid of them because uh, people simply don't have drivers for them. 
And that's one of the reasons why many of those who have sold up recently have got away. And we'd really hope that the majority of drivers out there will get it and get a job. But it's that supply chain issue. It's not something where we've lost one truck or one parking bay or one driver. We've lost this big company that had fingers in so many pies. And and I do believe it will have a flow-on effect into the distribution network. Rod, what's going to happen to all these trucks? Mate, who would know? Um, at the moment, of course, their, their, their level of debt is very high, so they're going to they're going be sold up for yeah. sale. Yeah. Yep. For, for a bargain. Um, I'd say there'd be some bargain trucks on the market. Well, they would, but the, the thing is, at the moment, you can't buy new trucks. If you went in and wanted to buy a new truck tomorrow, you've probably got you know 18 months to two years' wait at the moment, depending on what really? sort of truck you want to buy. Oh, yeah. The, the, the books are that far out. Um, COVID had a big effect on that. You know, it slowed down production and things like that. Certain parts were hard to get. Uh, if you want a new one, you've, you've got to wait quite a while unless you're sort of very lucky that someone's ordered one and you can nip in and grab it when they can't pay for it. But, again, those companies that have sold up, most of them have made really good money. And some of those trucks that they've sold secondhand have made nearly new price. But you're talking about a big number here in, a, in one hit, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. A national protest today put on by the TWU. Do you think it'll have any effect? Look, many years ago, the union had a lot more power, uh, and we have a memorandum of understanding with the TWU. Uh, We work together with them on things that we agree on, but we operate completely independently. Look, some of our members and and some of those in, in trucks have not been fans of the union for, for things years ago where you couldn't get into a site unless you had a card and all that. But the union does its best to look after its members. Uh, they certainly charge you a fee for that. And, and I think you know, there will be those out there who will say that they get good value for that money, that they've been looked after in companies, and there will be those who will disagree. And, and we work with them where we can because we do want things improved we do want people treated and paid fairly, and surely that you know, that's all we ask as employees, but the people that operate at the very top of these companies like this one, have they done their due diligence, mate? Have they operated and, and you know met their duty of care, not only to their employees, but to everybody else they've dealt with? And those are the things I suppose we'll find out when it all comes out. Rod Hanafi, President of the National Road Freighters Association here on the Night Shift on Triple M. Rod, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll take calls. I know you've got some questions for your listeners. We'll do that in just a second. Uh, folks, please feel free to ring through. This is your Trucky Tuesday here on the Night Shift on Triple M. Rod Hanafi is with us on Trucky Tuesday. I know that there are other things that you wanted to talk about this morning, Rod, and we will get to them, but obviously the Scots collapse. Is this the... Is this the biggest trucking catastrophe that you can remember in a long time, Rod? Oh, it certainly is, mate, yes. Of this level, you know, there have been companies that have gone under and and blokes have been cheated out of their superannuation and things and that over years, but this is certainly the largest that that I'm aware of. Um, One triple three five three is the telephone number. All right, let's talk to some people. John uh, has been let go. He was let go today. John, good morning. Good morning. You're talking to Rod Hanafy. Right. So, yeah, so I was a Scots employee up until probably four hours ago. Yep. So how long were you with them, mate, and and how did they treat you generally? 
It's been, honestly, it's been really good. Um, we got told on Monday, um, the 27th, at 5 o'clock that we were going into involuntary administration. So when were you told? Monday, 5 o'clock on the 27th of February. 27th of February? Yeah. Not, so, la- not last yeah. Monday, the Monday before? Yeah. Yep. And that, so that's when we found out what we were going into voluntary administration. We got told that we are basically getting two weeks for them to sell the company. And then on the Friday... Um, the third, we were told it wasn't successful and they'll do a slow wind down of the company. And then today we got told at five o'clock that, um, the money wasn't there and there would be no thing. 95% of us would be made redundant and only a handful of us would be continued on. And we'd find out during the course of the night who was made redundant and who wasn't. And most of us got the phone call saying, don't come back tomorrow. Dear idea. So what about the, the wages and, and all of those entitlements you're owed, mate? Have they actually given you anything about whether you're going to get all that paid out? We will get... Um, We've been told by the administrators we will get all of that paid out um, through the FEG scheme. Um, Matt, so we're getting all that paid out. Um, how long that'll take, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I've read anywhere between... Um, three to four weeks if everything goes smoothly up until... But then on the government website, it said claims could take up to 16 weeks. I guess that's a worst-case scenario. But, um, yeah, but we've been told by everybody, on general, it should be three to four weeks. And that's yeah, but that's, and would that's the government. Yes, that's the government paying the money, not the company paying the money. And obviously the, the, the entitlement is owed by the company... The fact that it's gone insolvent and now been sold up and couldn't be sold off, and the level of debt that they have means that the government are virtually going to be forking out for all of that money. Uh, the order, the the uh, sale will certainly generate some income through the vehicles and things like that. But uh, from what I understand, the level of debt being so substantial, uh, those who were investors, it'll be interesting to see whether what they get back. Yeah. So you were told on the 27th, Monday the 27th of February. Yep. That's last-minute stuff, Rod Hanafy. How long did this company know that it was going to go belly up, you wonder? Yes, and and that's where the the directors, you would hope, would be held to account. Um, Whether they've been in trouble uh, to the point that they shouldn't have continued to operate or whether they should have tried to sell it previously. Um, the government will obviously do an investigation into those that were controlling the funds. Uh, those of us you know, down at the level of driver don't have any influence on those factors. No. We're just the ones doing the work. And mm. uh, obviously at this stage, we're probably the last to find out. Those higher up would have known that there would have been problems, uh, but how they're dealt with, and, and how they have dealt with those problems, I suppose, will be the things that are going to come out over the next couple of months. John, what would they like to work for? Oh, they were great. I was there for 13 years. I couldn't fault them. Mm. I'd, love, I'd love the place, and it's just a shame to see it go like this. It is a shame. John, what are your prospects? Um, I, I said to Rod at the beginning of this segment that last night I got the number of calls from truckies employed elsewhere saying, listen, head up. There was one caller that rang me. His name was Kevin. 
and I'll replay a little bit of what Kevin had to say right in, a little bit later. But that was Kevin was very down and saying that he's going to have to sell his house and maybe do a menu log drive, you know. Yeah. And, and people were ringing saying, no, 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 no. There's plenty of jobs out there. There's a driver shortage. What are your prospects, John? Mine, not as good as others. Um, I'm not a driver. And that, most of my drivers have gotten um, jobs already offered to them and that, and they've basically been just waiting for the tap on the shoulder saying, you're redundant so that we get all of our entitlements before they go and jump into the other job. Um, otherwise, we walk away with just our entitlements and no redundancy pay. So we've been just waiting for the tap on the shoulder, which for most of us happened tonight. Um, me, I'm just going through seek just trying to find anything and everything that um will that i'm remotely qualified for to see um whether i can get someone to want to take me on all right we wish you all the best john our thoughts are with you buddy please chin up yeah you take thanks for your call right, no problem what do you say rod what do you say yeah yeah it's it's going to be Certainly, they're going to be those that, that don't get a job overnight. You know, they might have to struggle. It depends on where they're based and what they were doing. Now, you know, they had a lot of shuttle runs set up, um, and, and that's something that the industry has brought in over the years because blokes don't want to live in trucks and don't want to spend the whole week away. So they've got situations set up where you know, a bloke will run out of Sydney and do a changeover at um, uh, going up the coast to, to Brisbane or to Melbourne. Uh, and those blokes generally sort of get in and out of those trucks and then go home at night. Uh, they still had blokes that were running interstate. I've got a mate that was working for them. I'll have to ring him and see what he's up to as well, uh, Michael. But, um, yeah, look, I, I know a bloke that was working for them casually at one stage. Uh, he said he used to uh, be went in there with, you know, high ideals. Uh, certainly had a few issues at the start um, and, and getting the gear right and those sorts of things. But that's uh, always when you're someone new coming into it. You've got to work out how the operation works and what their priorities are and those things. It'll be interesting to see what we hear from other drivers, mate. Well, I'm sure we will this morning. One triple three five three. If uh, you have a story to tell us, and if you have some good news, I mean, do you think that? And how many drivers are we talking about? We heard fifteen hundred jobs. How many of those jobs are administration, and how many are drivers? Uh, a bloke who rang me last night said he thought it was about seven hundred drivers. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Do you know, Rod? No, I don't know for a fact. No, no. no. Someone, well, someone listening will. We'll come back. I know you have a question for um, the the trucking audience this morning, so that'll come up in just a second. One triple three five three is the telephone number. You've often heard Rod talk about how important it is to get sleep apnea diagnosed because. If you do suffer sleep apnea, you run a very high risk of maybe having a a motor vehicle accident. It's the last thing we want. Do you snore? Are you often getting prodded in the ribs from your partner saying, shut up? You're snoring. Do you stop breathing while you're snoring, while you're, you're lying in bed? Do you wake up feeling tired and cranky? Maybe you have sleep apnea. You need to get it tested. See a doctor. Now, Sove, S-O-V-E, Sove CPAP Clinic, they're running a special ResMed Autumn Auto Set package for this month only. The popular Auto Set 4G machine with an additional heated tube and humidifier tub is only $1,499. Sove offers bulk build sleep studies, a lowest price guarantee, interest-free payment plans, and they carry leading brands including ResMed, Philips, 
and Fisher and Pykel. Visit Sovey, S-O-V-E, Sovey CPAP Clinic today at thecpapclinic.com.au or call 1-300-762-939. T's and C's apply. The offer ends March 31. CPAP is used for the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea. Always follow the directions for use. And there are bulk build sleep studies available. They're subject to Medicare criteria and T's and C's. When considering whether CPAP treatment's right for you, consult your doctor for advice. Rod Hanafy's back after this. Rocket Rod Hanafy, 13353, President of the National Road Freighters Association. Um, Tim's online. Uh, question for you, Rod. G'day, Tim. Hi, mate. How are you? We're, we're both well, mate. But, um, I, I lived with a bloke that used to work for um, Scott. He, he's got the tap on the shoulder, but he was also part of the Red Star breakdown as well. Mm. Um, but, um, mate, part of the question is, so the breakdown of the debt, do, do we ever get told of how what the breakdown of the debt is, how it is, or does that only go out to whoever's interested in the company? Because that their gear's all old, um, the, the damages of their vehicle, um, all that sort of thing. So what's the contribution of that towards their, their debts and that as well? Yeah, look, the government will, will know more than anybody else initially. Like, obviously, they, they've got administrators in there. Uh, they've been sent in when it got to that point uh, because, of course, the company's not allowed to operate if it can't pay its debts. Then they become insolvent. And if they operate in that position, well, then they're breaking the law. Now, the government will know because, of course, as that driver said, they've been told all of their super will be paid by the government because the company doesn't have the money. Uh, The administrators will look at what those assets are, but, of course, that depends on the level of debt. And someone, you would hope, as, as you suggest, will go in there and find out who was responsible. Now... You know, if you operate a small company and there's two or three of you, well, there's no one else to blame when it goes belly up. You either haven't charged enough or you haven't got your money that's owed to you. If someone has owed you a lot of money and that's dragged you down, that's a completely different situation. But a company of this size with that many drivers and that much equipment, uh, the, the, the administrators will have to put in a report. The fact that they're seeking the government to pay all of the drivers' entitlements, their super and things, because the company couldn't do it, uh, we would hope that the truth will come out in the end because it's it's the drivers that will suffer first. Um, and then, of course, at this stage, we'll have to see whether there'll be any return to all of those people who have, in good faith, as shareholders, put their money into the company as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right. Thanks, mate. Okay, Tim, it's an upsetting time. But uh, getting back to the statement you made earlier, Rod, and the comments I got from a, a number of drivers last night, um, are, is there plenty of work out there? Uh, the, 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 I, I, I want to play you something, Rod, if you can. Uh, just let me find it here. Here it is here. This is Kevin that rang me last night, Rod Hannafy. Can you spare a sec? Certainly, mate. Okay, have a close listen. Well, I spoke to you about... Uh, Scott's logistics going under last week. I remember. I, that's you. I, I remember you now, Kevin. Yeah. Yes. And they have gone under. 1,500 jobs have been lost. No one wanted to buy the company. No, everyone coming in took all their work, which made it unprofitable. And 
the vultures come in, took it, and fifteen hundred jobs gone. Dear, how, uh, long, how long have you been with the company? Eleven years. Eleven years. What did, and, what did they say to you in the lead up to this? Because we announced this last Monday. Okay, so before last Monday, when it was knowledge to me, how how soon? How long? How far down the track did you know things were were going wrong? Uh, when they started saying new trucks are coming, and then all of a sudden trucks are going to the auctions, and we go, "Well, where's the new truck replacing these trucks?" So a few of us are getting a bit worried months ago. But mm. the, the one thing that's upset a lot of us, Qantas got bailed out, didn't they? The billions of dollars. Mm. Elbow. Haven't heard a peep out of him, and he nicks off to India. Now, the government is up for $500 million to pay us all out now. Could have helped a little bit, but no sign of the Labor Party. Thank you very much. Don't care about the workers anymore. All right, that might be a bit harsh, but I understand he's hurting. Is it up to governments to bail out companies when they're going belly up? They've done it before. They did it with the car manufacturing uh, here in Australia for many, many years, Rod, didn't they? They did it with Qantas. Should, is it the job of governments to bail people like Scott's out, Rod? Well, mate, it's funny he says there that um, the vultures came in and took all their work. Now, if, if they're viable and if they're doing the work properly, yes, it, it's, it's, it's the way business operates, isn't it? You get someone else to do it cheaper. Well, then you do that, and, and but they've got to be able to pay their bills. So the, the trouble with our industry at so many times, mate, is that we are a price taker. You know, virtually, as, as the union has claimed, there are those companies who expect you to virtually do the job cheaper each year. It's in the contract. And, and it, how do you do that when the price of every single thing goes up. You're tired. Look at the price of fuel at the moment. Mm-hmm. The price of trucks has gone up. And yet they say in the contract that you've got to do it, you know, so many percent cheaper each year or you don't get the contract. So how can they enforce that when every other thing goes up? On the other side of that, other companies still have to pay their bills. So they can't operate cheaper because they're using mini mokes to deliver, you know, 50 tonne of produce. They've still got to have trucks. They've still got to pay their drivers. So where he says that the vultures that come in, look, I'd heard that they had lost a lot of work and, and that's that's the way that business operates. But if they had lost a lot of work, there must have been a reason for that. Weren't they doing it properly? Weren't they meeting their contractual obligations? You know, you and I aren't going to know this. The people in Scott certainly did because they were the ones that were dealing with it. Is it unfair of Kevin there to be blaming Anthony Albanese? Oh, at this stage, because we don't know the whole story, it's not up to him to walk into every company that goes belly up. Now, the, the government is going to have to pay their superannuation. That's the, the, what they provide is virtually a safety net for when a company goes belly up. Okay. Now, the argument that governments for years gave to supporting uh, car manufacturing in Australia was this. That yes, it was very hard to be competitive, and we were supporting it, and there were also allegations. I don't know whether they're true or not, but the allegations were that the unions pushed for way too high wages for virtually unskilled labour, 
and a lot of the people working at these plants were paid very, very well, possibly too much. But the government did uh, subsidise and uh, and support car manufacturing in Australia with the argument that if we let everybody go and shut it down, they'll all be on the dole and be an even bigger burden. And we're, we're still buying cars. They're still being made and we're still driving them here. But we're but importing we are, Well, we are, and we are paying profits to those companies overseas. Uh, look, we, we've lost so much of our manufacturing in Australia. Uh, I did see an email from someone during the week, mate, that list where, you know, the bloke got his toaster and that was from China and he got his... Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the way we are going, And, and filled up his uh, Swedish car with Saudi petrol. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, the one. that's been going around for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but, you know, it is true that, that we've given away those manufacturing jobs and, yes, the, the government, whether they got good value out of all that money they put into car manufacturing... And, of course, here we are, we're still manufacturing both Kenworths and, and Volvos in Australia. They're mm. built here. Yes, there is some overseas componentry, particularly with the Volvos, um, but, but we're still doing we're that here, here and they're still succeeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, not a lot of people are aware of that. We actually make the, the truck you're driving, was, was it made here in Australia? Yes, it was. Is I picked it, it up out of Bayswater in Melbourne. There it was. Kenworth trucks and Volvo trucks manufactured, made here in Australia. Not many people know it. Um, John's online. He's in Bathurst. G'day, John. John, are you there? Yeah, mate. Hello. You're in Bathurst? I am, mate. I'm just... Just before you launch into whatever it is you're about to launch into, living in Bathurst, what's the latest with the Hill End fires? Ah, uh, mate, they're not affecting us around here desperately, but uh, as is always the case, whenever you've got fires, mate, you've got people's lives in danger and properties getting lost, and you know how it is in this country, mate. Well, the Rural Fire Service is saying that hopefully the wind will turn around and ease off today and it'll give the firefighters a bit more chance. But uh, we're thinking of those listeners who are listening to us through B-Rock FM 99.3 in Bathurst. And uh, if you're in the Hill End area, we hope that you're safe and we hope that you're well. Now, John, why did you ring Rod? Mate, I rang Rod because I wanted to say g'day to the Perriers and say, fellas, look, um, I've come down from Queensland where I worked for 10 or 12 years in civil construction. And my background is, is, is pretty broad in the transport industry. I've worked for Tolls and Linfox and all of them. Now, what I do is I do civil construction at night, hot mix and profiling in semi-trailers. And I can tell you for a fact that the lifestyle out here in the Central West is brilliant. The money's great and there is so much work. What fellas need to do is accept a little bit of responsibility for themselves, possibly have to upskill a little bit and get out of the city and get out into the Central West and the regional areas, mate, because this country is desperate for blokes with semi-trailer licences. Right. Yeah, good on you, mate. And look, you talk about the fires there too. There was one south of Dubbo and the Mitchell Highway was closed. So Dubbo is certainly sort of in the middle of some of those at the moment as well, mate. So we're... we're yeah, mate. Yeah, I mean, I've we're, as well out there. we're doing the Mitchell Highway at the moment up around Molong on the way to Wellington because there was another woman killed not long ago because the roads out here are so desperately bad. And my company just recently has been uh, demolishing houses in Yagara because we had the bloody floods as well. Yep. Um, and it's been pretty grim. But, mate, let me tell you, all we really see in the news is the bad news. You don't get the good news. And I'm telling you for a fact, Bathurst, Orange, uh, Central West, it is a magnificent place to live. 
a lot of these places you hear about are on the outskirts and little hole in the wall places. And the big centres, the big regional centres, well, you know, medium sized regional centres like Bathurst and Orange, have got immense numbers of very, very good companies. And, mate, they are desperate for people. I'm getting $40 an hour as a permanent plus wow. overtime, and a bloke offered me 45 the other night. Rod? Mate, I've got to ask you a question. You're working on the roads now. I've just put in a submission to Transport for New South Wales regarding our rest areas and facilities and things like that. Um, and I have put in a complaint about the roads and the way that they're built. Now, I've had some horror stories from blokes within the road-building game uh, that there is not you know, always the knowledge and the skill uh, for the people that they need. And as you said there, mate, some blokes might need to upskill for some of these roles. But as, as a bloke that travels on these roads, I'm yep. concerned for my life and the life of other people. Yes, there's a hell of a lot of repair work being done, but here's from where I sit, some of it's not done so well and the patches are virtually as bad as the road was before. If you're part in that, is there the right people doing the job? Are they doing it properly or do they not listen to the people doing the job? Rod, uh, mate, look, this is, this is a very, very big question because I've been in this game for a very long time. And I can tell you for a fact that quite regularly there are people involved who shouldn't be, but that's just not this particular part of the industry. The thing that concerns me more than anything else is that regardless of what section of the transport industry you go into, it seems as if no one has the skills that old blokes like me have got. Hmm. Now, I've yep. been working for a very, very long time doing, you know, uh, civil construction, extended semi-trailers, steel, you know, 16-ton pumps out to the mines, all that sort of hard daily work, not the, you know, go away for a week like you were saying. Yep. And it's, uh, it's uh, an immense skill set very broad skill set that's required that the young blokes just don't seem to have. Now, what happens in this country is that if you have, I don't know what it is now, right, 12, 14, 1600 bucks, you can pretty much buy a license, but you can't buy a lifetime of experience mm. or get somebody like me with the experience to train you because the government won't let us teach anybody anything anymore. It's illegal. That that previous caller, Kevin, who's very down at the moment, and I, I understand why, and he says, I'm going to have to sell my house and probably take up menu log delivery. He's uh, 62, and he says it's too hard to teach a new dog, an old dog, new tricks. you disagree with that? Absolutely, mate. Look, I'm 63. I, I, admittedly, I'm a little bit different because I did my army basic training when I was 44. That bully thing annoyed me. But the simple fact of the matter is that anyone can learn, mate. There's an old saying, you know, the day you think you know it all, you may as well dig a hole. And this is the situation. Kevin, I would say to Kevin, Kevin, up your skill set, mate, because I tell you what, if you can get a job in Bathurst or Orange, you'll get a much nicer house, which is a hell of a lot cheaper as well. Mm. I know, I lived there 15 years. I know, you're, you're spot on. Great education, wonderful schools, sporting facilities, a sensational hospital, and a water supply in Ben Chifley Dam that's going to last for a long time. Hey, listen, John, thanks for your call. Yeah. My pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. He's right. I mean, you know, decentralisation, yeah, we, we've talked about it for a long, long time. In fact, funny, Rod Hanafy, 
we talk about getting people to move to regional Australia. I think it was Neville Rand. If John's still there, he'll you know, he's gone. Back in the seventies, they moved a huge government department to Bathurst. It was the Central Mapping Authority. You remember that? Oh, they moved a lot of those government departments out, mate. There was a lot of talk about it at the time, and you know that was the aim to get people out. And and I do believe that you get a better quality of life uh, generally. You know, if you're out of the big capital cities. Uh, and, and that's we initially moved from Brisbane to Gundawindi and then Gundawindi there to Dubbo. Uh, and, and I suppose the other thing is, mate, it, it's the towns that have grown, but at the expense of the little towns. You know, a lot of that, those little towns around Bathurst, the same as little towns around Dubbo, have sort of died and fizzled away as those major towns or major centres have grown. That's progress, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's the the change in the world, isn't it? It's the way of the world. We're going to to come back and and talk some more. There's a lot of people online. After the break, Rod Hannafy, you've got a question for the masses. We'll do that shortly, yeah? Ten for good, buddy. Rod Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, is online. Lots to talk about, but uh, obviously today, Scots is the big issue. Most uh, drivers were told today by... A phone call, Rod Hannafy, that they no longer have jobs. Do we know yet whether or not they have their entitlements? Did they get their holiday pay, their sick, their long service, if that's uh, uh, applicable? What do we know? Well, mate, that bloke that uh, we spoke with earlier said that they had been promised their entitlements, but that all of their super net would come from government. So that means the, the company doesn't have the money to pay it. Uh, the, the government's going to have to step in uh, because we're talking about a lot of people there and a lot of money. Uh, as he said, they all sort of you know, looked around, but they waited to see that they would get their entitlements first and uh, only the administrators know what money is in that pot. Uh, it, it's not up to the government to step in and run every company. Uh, as he said, I don't think Albo could have stepped in and fixed it because if the level of debt was there and the gear was old and they didn't have the work, what's he going to do? Yeah, well, uh, but as I say, is it up to governments to prop up companies that are going uh, belly up and they supported the car manufacturing industry in Australia for many, many, many years? They propped up Qantas. But I mean, you know, if, if, if Bill the Baker down the road goes broke, the government's not going to jump in. Anyway, one triple three five three. Hey, Rod, I know you love your nature, B. I've, I've got a question for our listeners. If you are already on some sort of a vitamin, I want you to go and bite into it. It will taste terrible because it's been made in a laboratory. Open up a tablet. Have you opened up a Nature B tablet yet, Rod? You've asked me to, but I haven't actually done it Why yet. Why have you done I it? Take it. Oh, well, because I just take them. And, and look, I, I still occasionally take a multivitamin. I've still got a couple of the Omega-3 less that that uh, came with the Nature B at one stage. That's mate. right. So, that's right. You, you got know, the Omega-3. Gone on top, but I rely on the Nature B two a day. You two uh, a day. Have you got, yeah. Can you put your hand on the jar now? Uh, <laughs> can you or not? Not right now. I, well, I could. I can get up and get it for you. Go yeah, get it. I want, go right before up. you finish, now, this is fair dinkum, and we haven't rehearsed this. I want you to go and get a tablet and break it in half and taste it live on radio. Oh, right, Jason. Do I need a mouthful of water as no, well? No, no, this no. Is, this is okay. the point. This is the point of what I'm saying. Go and get it. Go and get it, and I'll keep reading, and then tell me when you're back. This is oh, there. It is. Okay. Well, nature B. The, what I'm the the message is: Why don't you switch? Because if Nature B doesn't give you more energy, uh, a, a a great 
feeling of well-being, a better night's sleep. Uh, it does boost your immune system. It has all these vitamins been brought about by nature. Um, you get your money back, and it works out to less than 85 cents a day. Now, have you got it? Yes, yes, I've got it. Break it in half. This is live radio. Yeah. Yep, really. Okay, is the powder come out on your hand? On your finger? Uh, I'm going to suck it out the other end. Suck it out, okay. <laughs> suck it out. Now, taste that. Now, tell everyone what that tastes like. Go on. Well, yeah, that's better. Now I'm going to be out. Yeah, go on. What's it taste like, Rod? Tastes like honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it does. It's a lovely, Ooh. nutty honey flavour, correct? It is, yes. It's quite nice. And, and, yeah. you, and you want to know why? Well, it comes from bees, doesn't it? It's nature. I challenge anyone to get their shop-bought, over-the-counter vitamins and do what you just did. This is the thing, and we didn't rehearse this. Rod didn't know I was going to do that. But I was 100% confident you'd love it. How good is that? And that's why if you've got kids who can't take a capsule, you can just sprinkle it on their um, cereal or on their juice or in their milk. It's so gorgeous, isn't it? And, mate, uh, obviously mine's been in the in the truck and it's been bounced up and down for a million kilometres, so I sort of packed down a little bit in that one. But, um, yeah, getting it out was uh, – I had to bite it out. But, yeah, no, the taste is, is not bad at all. It's that – it's beautiful. It's a honey, nutty flavour. There you are. Hmm, you have to try it on my cereal like you suggest. Do it. You, you know what you'll be doing now? You'll be breaking them in half and just eating <laughs> You know, you I'm, could take them to the movies. And just take a whole lot to the movie, break them in half, save on popcorn. Nature B, that's it, folks. You heard it. Powerpollen.com.au, 100% money-back guarantee. Powerpollen.com.au, there you go. Rod, I know you had a lot of questions for our Truckee Tuesday audience this morning, but so many people are online wanting to talk about Scots and how can we make sure this never happens again? I don't know the answer to that. So we'll continue to take calls if that's all right with you, buddy. Absolutely, mate. I was thinking the same thing. Let's hear what they've got to say. Grant, Rod Hannafy's there. He's listening to you. Hey, g'day, Rod. How are you? I was actually called you up yesterday on the gateway. How are you? Yeah, good on you, mate. Good. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we um lost our jobs tonight. Yep. Yeah, fifteen hundred um, employees got the ask basically, and um, yeah, it's a pretty sad state of affairs, you know. When we, when we were the biggest biggest um, coal chain supplier in Australia, and uh, yeah, so how 40... long how, how long were you with them, mate? And how did they treat you generally? And what do you think happened? Five years I was there, Rod. Yep. Um, loved, I loved I loved working there. You know, I really did. It was a great place. I went there. It was only like twenty k's from home, but so it set me down to the ground. But um, I was treated alright. But... I think it was mismanagement, most of it, you know, and um, probably the supermarket chain, secondly, you know? Yep. Yeah, squeezing every dollar out of you, you know, you, the price of fuel's going up and they, don't, they want you to drop your rates to cart the freight for them, but they don't want to pay for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. certainly a big issue. And we had the same problem up at Pacific National here at um, Acacia Ridge. We had containers we couldn't get out, we couldn't take in, containers in because... Um, the account had been stopped, and yeah, so it's pretty. Yeah, and what old mate was saying about down Sydney is true. Yeah, the amount of freight that they they shuffle across in Sydney to WA with, I call all the Englands checking and light and easy, and 
whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, so yeah, so we found out at eight o'clock tonight that gonna called up the office and they said, Oh, sorry to tell you fellas, but um it's the way it is I was in there and when they had the town hall meeting this afternoon and there was lady from WA crying their eyes out and no, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So mate, have you have you started looking for another job yet or? Oh, I'm gonna have a few days off, mate. And, um Yep. But our entitlement, we won't get our entitlement for about sixteen weeks. And uh, Could I'll be up to that yet. Yeah, and I'm the union delegate there, and I've been all afternoon getting guys to fill up the the, the fair um entitlement guarantee, you know. Yes, which means the the company's not paying it. The government's no. stepping in because the company can't afford to pay it. No, that's right. Yeah. So how that how those shareholders that put their money into it and and you know how people were, were paid at those higher levels that'll come out in the end, and there will be you would hope an inquiry as to what's brought it to this point. Uh, mm-hmm. It's certainly not the driver's fault, uh, no. and it's it's uh, you know the the shareholders have certainly not been responsible, but the pressure they put on those companies to give a return, I do believe that's another factor. Yeah, mismanagement too, and they could, they got rid of managers and put new managers that had no idea. You know where they could have left the managers that were there who had the idea. Yep. And things would have probably run as good as anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mate. We can only hope that they they get it sorted. Yeah, so I'm having a couple of cans at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> what are your pro- What are your prospects? What What do you think? You, the, we've been saying this morning that there's, you know, a shortage of truck drivers right around Australia. Are you optimistic? Um, yeah, like I've got job offers already, Luke. You know, it's good to talk to you again, too, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got job offers already, but I'm going to have a few days off. You know, I'm just going to chill out for a bit, and I've got some prospects and. Um, but, uh, but, uh, mate, there's plenty of work out there. There's no doubt about it, you know. Lindsay Brothers are calling us, um, Lynn Fox want us, you know. They want the drivers that are experienced, they know where they're going, and that's the problem, that these young blokes, they, you know, they, they get in there and they've got no idea. And, unfortunately, we're getting overrun by a certain other group, you know. I won't mention the no, name. Right. Yeah, but, um... Yeah, they can't yes. back their doubles, they can't do this, they ask them for help, they're doing damage all the time, you know, and that's the problem. I've never damaged a thing in my life and since I've been there, you know. <laughs> yeah. And having a licence is, is not just enough. It's having the knowledge that goes beyond that as to, you know, how to do it skillfully, how to load the vehicle, all of those things, how to be compliant. So, mate, all we can do is uh, is wish you all the best, eh? Yeah, well, that's right, Robert. As I say, you know, I've carted everything from... Um, a bit of timber to um, a load eight foot, eight and a half metres wide. You know, I've done it all, you know. Yep. Tied down everything you can tie down, basically. The only thing I haven't carted is fuel. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, right, mate. Well, you all take right. care. All the best, eh? Yeah, all the best. All right, mate. Yeah. We'll catch up with you on the truck day, right, eh? Good on your ground. Enjoy a couple of beers and let's hope that you, you, you keep trucking, eh? Yeah, mate, yeah. I'll get back into it. <laughs> see, you. see you, buddy. Bye-bye. Okay. Guys, bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Bazza, Bazza the cattle carrier is online. Good day, Baz. How are you, there, Luke and Rod? We're both very well. What did you want to say? Uh, mate, I, I'm just ringing up to say thanks very much for your show. Been listening to it for a long, long time. Oh, thank you, buddy. We enjoy and, bringing it to you. Yeah, no, it's been really bloody good, real good. Thank you, Bazza. But uh, I'm giving it away, mate. I'm hitting 76 soon, and I'm uh, 
getting out of the game. It's time, time to pack it all up. Right. And uh, I, I, t- I take me Nature B too. Do her you? Name, yeah, her name's Barbara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy, good mate. Oh, she, t- she tastes all right too. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop it, Bazza. Uh, right. But same uh, thanks again, fellas, and uh, I'll, I'll still keep tuning in. Okay, you promise? Uh, mate, I, 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 I swear. Okay, Bazza. Lovely to know you there, mate. Thank you for letting us know and, and enjoy your retirement. And uh, no, that's a bummer about Buddy Scott's too. Rod? Yeah, good on you, mate. I, I hope that it has treated you well over your life, mate, and that you get to have a bit of a, a break now you're stepping down. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of blokes that, that carry on, you know, into the ages that now that years ago you wouldn't have even thought of, but that's it, you know, getting blokes with... Uh, the ability to go out and do the job now is, is getting harder, and it's uh, it's simply, as I say, not just getting a licence, is it, mate? It's a, it's a lifetime of learning. Mate, you're dead right. I've been saying a couple of fellas, there's, there's the old truck. If you want a bloody job, I'll give it to you. But, mate, they just don't want to bloody learn. They don't, don't want to get their fucking boots covered oh, in okay, fucking but... cow shit. <laughs> Just watch that. Just watch. Okay, I'll let that go. All right, Bazza. <laughs> All right, sorry, mate. That's okay. It's okay, mate. I know you didn't mean to be uh, malicious. Good on you, Bazza. Yeah, okay, S- stay in touch. I'll just keep my finger hovering over that dump button next time Bazza calls in. But God love him. 76. He's been driving for a long, long time. He's going to give it away. Is there a record for the oldest professional trucker? Mate, it's, well, you, you say trucker. I believe there was an 87 year old in America who was still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that I have raised in, in New South Wales is the only state, to my knowledge, that once you turn 70, mm-hmm. you suddenly become a danger in a, in a BW. You can drive a semi-trailer, but you can't keep your BW licence unless you do a medical and a test every year at your own cost. Now, that doesn't apply in other states. Um, and yes, we, we know that as we get older, yes, I was, I was listening, there was a piece on the radio earlier today about, you know, the, the difference in age and how it affects you. But those blokes that have driven trucks for many years, you know, they, they do hone those skills. They do have really good um, spatial awareness and things like that. Otherwise, you simply couldn't survive on the road, mate. But New South Wales is the only state that makes you do a test. Now, I've got no problem with having a medical every year. We do that through TruckSafe. I do it from a dangerous goods licence. I'll be up for one this year again from a licence. And at one stage, mate, I was having to do three in one year. Three medicals in one year is just ridiculous because they all wanted different forms. We did get that sorted. But, yeah, other states, they don't do that, mate, and I think New South Wales should give us a fair go. All right. And speaking of health, I know that um, you're uh, as thrilled as I am that uh, Sove Sleep Apnea uh, part of the night shift now. They're partners, they're advertisers with us. And I met Justin, the boss of Sove last Friday. He's very keen to talk to you, Rod, because so many truckies and truckettes, it's a sedentary lifestyle. And um, if you don't eat well and exercise well, and it's really, really hard when you're spending all your time on the road in a truck. Uh, I wonder how many truckies come home and their partners kick them in the ribs and say, you're snoring. And the other side of that too, Luke, is that the blokes that, that don't know that they've got it and, you know, there are blokes who still live in a truck. They, they've lost their family and, and that's their life now is living in a truck. So they haven't got anyone to poke them in the ribs. But, they, you know, they might just get up in the morning 
and and feel still tired. Mm, you know, you right. might have had a really good night's sleep, but if you get up and you're still feeling tired, there is something that means you are not getting that proper sleep. And you know, with the, the job that we do, um, it, it can be a predisposition. That's right. So, look, what we're saying is see a doctor. That's the that you see a medical professional. Maybe you could should be tested for sleep apnea. Uh, Sove have bulk build sleep studies. Now they're subject to Medicare criteria and T's and C's, but they offer bulk build sleep studies. And they're running a special ResMed Autumn Auto Set package for this month. It's the popular Auto Set 4G machine with an additional heated tube and humidifier tub, only $1,499. And Sove, S-O-V-E, offers bulk build sleep studies at a lowest price guarantee. So visit Sove, S-O-V-E, CPAP Clinic at the cpapclinic.com.au. Now there is a number, one three hundred seven six two nine three nine. A CPAP is used for the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea. Always follow the directions for use. When considering whether CPAP treatment's right for you, consult your doctor for advice. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. This is the night shift on Triple M around Australia. Rod Hanafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, is with us. We'll continue to take calls right after this. 10-4, good buddy. That's the one. I know what you've been doing, Rod, while we've been playing music. You've been busting open Nature B capsules. And just eating them raw, correct? Scoffing them down, you reckon? You've been scoffing <laughs> them down like there's no tomorrow. But anyway, there you are, powerpollen.com.au, the, the taste test live on – right, you weren't expecting that, were you? Be honest. No, no, I hadn't done it before, mate, no. You've never, no, you've never done it before. You weren't expecting it, but there it was. That, that, that was called the Ro, Rod Hanafy Road Test. Yeah. <laughs> The Rod Hanafy Road Test, powerpollen.com.au. It is, that, it is that good. You had a question for the listeners. Mate, I did, um, and I wanted to ask, like, you know, when they've been treated like just a truck driver, and it's a, it's a sort of long story, and we've got a whole heap of Scots people there, so we could probably carry that over and, and talk to some Scots blokes, and we'll ask next week. Okay, all right, let's do that. Um, uh, by the way, i got George online. He's from Sydney. He's 70. Rod, you ready? He's yep. 71 and trucking strong. He's online for you. Who am I speaking to, Luke or Rod? Both. Both. Well, how old are you going to be to retire? I'm going to be 71. Well, mate, it's up to you now, isn't it? Yeah. I'm in no union, buddy. I'm just going to keep going another 20. That'll make me 91. <laughs> Good luck. And you know what? I'll come to work, buddy, for three reasons, mate. I'll get yep. a few dollars. Yep. It's good for your health. Yep. And tell Luke, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm another that um, Nature B. You, you're on the Nature B? No, I'm not. Oh, I've been trying to, but someone said that it's not much good. So it's very good. Think- you listen, listen, it's very, very good. Most people say it's good. Most people reorder. So if you want to get your Nature B, George, try it. And you get your money back. You don't get your money back with the other vitamins, okay? I don't think anyone else offers money back guarantee. So just try it. Just just try it. If it, if it doesn't do you any good, you get your money back. Well, buddy, I'm in no chemicals at all, buddy. Every time I go and see a doctor, 
you say to me, what are you here for? You know, no chemicals. <laughs> well, that, all I'm saying is try it. Money back guarantee. George, you, you, in your, what, what, how old were you when you started trucking? Oh, well, I tell you, I'm 71. I, my first time I drove a tractor was in 1964, and we had an Austin A40, hmm. and it had no brakes, <laughs> and I used to work on a pig farm in 1964. Well, there you go, 964, right? And, and this little Austin, they took the, uh, the back of her, and we put a little tray. Hmm. But guess what? She had no brakes, this old Austin. Well, you, you were 21 in 1964, right, weren't you? 64, <laughs> I would have been, I was 12, 13 years old. Good on you, George. Lovely to hear from you, mate. Keep listening. Yeah, I'm going to try some of that pollen one day. Try it. Power. What, 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 what do you actually, who do you got to call for this? Do you want a phone number or do you want the, the, the website? Oh, buddy, every time I tell my wife, she says, Dad, don't get out. Look, you get your money back. And if you if you have more energy, she might love you. Or she might say, no, go away. <laughs> hey, listen, buddy. My wife's very sick at the moment, buddy. Uh, she is sick, buddy. She had cancer. And, oh, I'm uh, very sorry to hear that. But anyway, buddy, I think we might have got 99% get rid of it, mate. We've got 1% to go, buddy. Well, listen, I, I wish you all the best. Give her our love. Give her a big kiss and a hug from us, and I hope she's okay. And you take care of yourself, Georgie boy. Yeah, I tell you where I am at the moment, but I'm surrounded with aeroplanes here, right in the middle of the tarmac somewhere here at uh, Mascot. Yeah, well, that's a good place to find planes, isn't it, Rod? That's where, If you're looking <laughs> for planes, uh, that's where you'll look. Um, mascot, mind you, I thought there was a curfew, Rod. Yeah, well, yeah, it depends on the airport, doesn't it? Depends on who you are. Mm. Depends on who you are. Good on you, George. Thanks for listening, mate. 71 and still trucking. Peter's in Adelaide. G'day, Peter. Oh, g'day, Luke. G'day, Pete. Rod Hanafy's with us. What's up? Hey, Rod. Yeah, I'm just a scotch driver. I'm doing my last night shift tonight, so... How long have you been with them and how did they treat you, mate, and what do you think was the problem? Well, I've been with them almost nine years. Treat, yep. They've treated me pretty, pretty well. The first yep. problem is, owned by an overseas company that doesn't give a shit about the transport industry, all they're interested in is making a profit, Yep. which couldn't be done because they're the last one that owned us basically made it look good on paper. And when you got people like I'm in South Australia, yes, full loads of uh, primo every single night out of primo in Port Wakefield, or to go to Sydney. So I pick up a primo, take it back to our yard in Adelaide. The city driver takes it to the depot in Sydney. Yep. And when primo are getting emails from Coles going. We're missing this pallet, we're missing that pallet. You know, it's a full load for Sydney. One might be Coles Eastern Creek, and one might be uh, Coles somewhere else in New South Wales. So go to the depot and take out that freight that's for somewhere else, and then top up the other freight and go to Coles Eastern Creek. And yet, yep. it is clearly labelled with Coles Eastern Creek and so forth, and yet our counterparts in Sydney kept losing pallet after pallet of freight that shouldn't have got lost. Right. And when you and when you got and when there's market freight that comes out of Queensland or Melbourne, the market here in Ad, Adelaide, that's got to be there, you know, five o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. 
And when they're launching this milk changeover set at 4 a.m. in the morning, and they're wondering why when the stuff comes into Adelaide and it goes to uh, one mob called Mulgawi, which is baked beans and stuff and corn, mm. and when it goes to, to Audi, it's a day late, and they wonder why Audi reject it because people are people not doing their job job right. Right. Not yeah, well, of course, you can't go losing pallets of freight, mate. They, they they eventually turn up, but, of course, it's no good when you've missed the slot or someone's gone looking for it and had to chase it, mate. And if uh, if that's the way their their pallet control was or their, their freight system was and it was letting people down, no wonder they would lose customers. And, you know, old mate said before the vultures came in and took their freight, well, uh, people don't lose freight if they're doing a good job and people don't get to steal it off you if you're doing a good job either. Yeah, I, we hear what you're saying, Peter. What are your prospects, mate? Are you optimistic? Uh, well, firstly, I've actually got it. Uh, I, put place, I put things in place last week hmm. when I found out what was going on and made a few phone calls. And uh, basically, I go see about a new job to, uh, when I wake up tomorrow afternoon. Okay, well, good luck to you, Peter. Thanks very much for your call, Peter, in Adelaide there. So, yeah, call us from all over the country affected. Rod, and some people optimistic, some people feeling hardly done by and ripped off. I get I get it all, I don't you? Oh, mate, it's going to vary depending on how long you've been there and, and where you are. Like some blokes will be lucky to be in a position where there are a heap of jobs of, of the similar type. Um, others might have to look at moving or you know, upskilling, as our mate said there earlier. Uh, and uh, it depends on what you've done and what your abilities are. But we hope that uh, most of the blokes out there get a job and, of course, you know, the blokes in is all the back back office staff and that as well. You know, they're in the same position, Luke. But um, there's certainly a, a shortage of drivers. And look, there's been a big argument in America for probably the last twenty years whether it's a shortage of drivers or a shortage of conditions for drivers. And we know that blokes have walked away from the job here uh, for a number of different factors. Uh, some of them because of the fines and penalties being unreasonable for what they are. Uh, and there was a thing the other day where, you know, someone who was convicted of um, drink driving for a second or third time mm. was, was treated fairly, they would have thought, by the court. Mm. But we get those fines every day because you haven't ticked a box or because yeah, you've tried I, to uh, drive 10 minutes later. Yeah, no, I hear you. And we, you've been talking about that for a long time now, and you're quite right. Rod Hanafi, President of the National Road Freighters Association. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of your calls on Truckee Tuesday. Um how are your fruit trees? You, you haven't been home for a while. You wouldn't know how your fruit trees are going. No, well, I, I did it all before I left, um, and I did talk to the son, and he said that he'd actually watered the grass for me, so I don't know whether you had any rain. I didn't get home on the weekend. It was a very warm day in Burke well, on hope, Saturday. Hopefully you took some photos before you left, and I want to see photos when you get back. You know my mate Michael Hope from Hope Estate in the Hunter Valley? He's going to do his whole vineyard, plus the vineyard he's got it broke. And his grassy amphitheatre in front of his big stage with Swift Grow. Joe went up there last Friday. They spent some time together and he's going to become completely Swift Grown. And you can too. Just your backyard, your lawn, your trees, your fruit trees, which Rod Hanafi's got. Your vegetable garden, your hanging pot plants. Swift Grow keeps moisture in your soil for longer. Thanks to this friendly, intelligent microorganisms that they have, it holds the water and it releases it when the plants are drought-stressed. It keeps 
your garden greener for longer. I love this call. I think it was Father's Day or something. He was having a bit of a whinge about his garden not doing so well. Yeah. Um, he lives in Tassie and normally his garden is amazing. So I thought I'll, I'll get him some and see how it goes. It's He just doesn't shut up about his garden now. Um, Swift grow, eh? Yeah. So my uncles and all, they have the best gardens and they come down to dad's and they're like, Oh my God, look at your tomatoes. <laughs> what are you doing so different? And he wouldn't tell them for ages. And oh, then, so it's like a secret. Yeah. He wouldn't say anything. And then he goes, Oh, it's this prawn shit. My daughter got. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, it's not prawn. It's barramundi. <laughs> I love that call. Swift grow. Put nature back into your soil. It is environmentally friendly. Here is the deal. Four one litres. And on top of that, two 250 mils of Swift Fort. Just $119 half price. Swiftgrow.com.au. If it's green and it's gr- and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. Rod Hannafy back in a sec. Damien's in Adelaide. Uh, another caller from Adelaide. G'day, Damo. Hello, you beautiful man. We have... Oh, Jesus. Rod, what do you... <laughs> scary. <laughs> it is a bit scary, but I'll take it. Thank you, Damo. Um, uh, Rod, Rod's on the other line. What did you want to say? Um, just in relation to this Scots thing. Yeah. Um, why is it the government's responsibility to pay, to pay all the entitlements when you've got someone like Anchorage Capital that owns them that's worth over a billion dollars can walk away from it? Well, that's up to the government to enforce it, mate. And, of course, at the moment with the administrators in there, they're saying the money isn't there. Um, and, and the way the, the corporate structure is, obviously they're going to try and walk away from it, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. And, and I, just, I can't understand how they're able or, more importantly, legally allowed to walk away from it every time. Like, you know, we get these ones um, that occur with um, other uh, foreign-owned businesses mm-hmm. and, you know, they're raped and pillaged and what have you for, for their money and bloody... Um, yeah, nothing's done like it's up to the government and the taxpayer to foot the bill while the, the foreign investor just walks away from it. Yes, that shouldn't be the case, mate, and you and I can't change that, but certainly if, if they do a follow-up on it and, and they find that they've acted uh, wrongly, uh, then they should be pursued and, and you know that money should come from them, if, as you say. Uh, they've got the money elsewhere, well, then they can't just come here and, and treat our people like this and walk away. No, that's exactly right. And that's what I'd like to see happen. Like, someone's held accountable for it. Because, I mean, when um, when they were brought out by uh, by Rand back in the day or AHG, um, you know, they, they got it just because it had the big contracts and all that sort of thing. And then they went mm. and um, sold it to a, essentially another car dealership, which was Eagers. Um, you know, and they got what they wanted out of it and then flogged it off to Anchorage Capital. So all, it's just been a money-making exercise for, for private equity mobs rather than actually taking care of the business itself. But, of course, at the end, everybody else is going to be paying for it. As you say, they've made their money out of it along the way and they've yeah, got sure. to the point where there's nothing left and then, yeah, everybody gets left in the shit at the end of it, mate, and... They shouldn't be able to get away with it, as you say, but, geez, that's something that you and I can't fix. No, but Damien's got a very good point. Why, why if the parent company is worth over a billion bucks, why is it the taxpayer has to bail out the, the workers? Uh, it, it, 
It gets right, me. To, but that's where the administrators have to do their job, Luke. I know, and they, hopefully they will. Damo, you were a subcontractor for Scotts, were you? I was a few years ago. Yeah. How'd they treat you? Yeah, bloody good. Mm. You know, but the thing is, as, as it changes hands, and I, I still keep in touch with a few blokes that used to be there, mm-hmm. uh, and they left after they uh, changed hands to the to Eagles because they just said that you know management like that. They, they're a car dealership. They're not interested in transport. They're just interested in making money. Yeah. Damo, thanks for your call. I think you raise a very valid question. Why does the taxpayer have to bail out this mob if the parent company has the money to pay for people's entitlements, which they've earned? Which they're, That's what the word means. They're entitled to this money. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Matt's in Brisbane. G'day, Matt. Hey, mate. I feel sorry for the Scots drivers, mate. I'm an ex-Red uh, Star driver, and I'm still waiting for money. But uh, the right. guy who owned the company pissed off overseas with it. Yeah, and there you go. They they did the same thing, mate. They uh, they went into it big time. Um, did, uh, I had some terrible stories of, of how drivers were treated there at times. Uh, and as you say, they just shut down, walked away. And look, if that's the case, mate, the bloke bolted, I suppose, it's a bit hard to chase him then. But, you know, in, in this instance, these people supposedly have the money. Why don't they pay? And how can they let these companies operate that way? Well, with that, with that, I agree with your previous caller, 100%. Like, why do these companies get away with it? Like, I was actually talking to the old line haul manager from Scotts. He said, like, the gear's shit. Like, the trucks are crap. The trailers are crap. The contracts are crap. There's no meat on the bone. He said, the only thing you'd want out of Scotts is the drivers. He said, that's the only good thing about the company, like, the drivers. Everything else, forget about it. So these guys, are, I've waited over three years for my money from Red Star. I don't know who's going to buy the stuff they're going to flog off. And I know, um, I can't remember the name of the mob. They sold them out of, it wasn't Pickles, it was the other mob near the airport. God, they spent I know, it's two early. Years Jesus, selling those trucks. Watering. I love pork spare ribs, and that sounds fantastic. I don't know what the hell has happened there. Something very strange happened to our computer. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, well. I guess the whole thing is, I've waited this long. We had, like When I was with Red Star, okay, might have been the best manager, might have been the best drivers. You know, we had a lot of imports, but we had good gear. We had Volvos, we had Scania's, we had um, we had Mercedes, um, and we had some Kenworths. But basically, we had pretty new gear because we were a new company, you know. And then, you know, it all went tits up and over 750 trucks and I think it was over 2,000 drivers were out of jobs, basically overnight. I remember the 24th of December basically being told uh, at Narrabai, don't go anywhere. That's we right. don't know if... Uh, it was just basically I'm, It was just I'm before sitting, just before Christmas, uh, 2018, yep. I think. Yep, sitting there with uh, half a dozen other drivers, and uh, we're wondering how the hell we're getting home. Mm. Yeah. And the company pretty much left us in the lurch, and uh, I offered a guy a seat in the truck, and he said, oh, I'll wait until the company finds out. And I said, I wouldn't wait. They left us here high and dry. So... Anyway, I got home all right. I'm still waiting for money. I got half of what they owe me, and uh, maybe this Christmas I'll get another half. Yeah, I doubt it. Don't hold your breath. Matt, thank you for your call. I'm not. Cheers, guys. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye. 13353 is the telephone number. If you want to get through to Rod Hannafy, he's only here for a short time. He's got to put some, some sleep in this morning, but you can call him right now. And uh, and uh, Thomas can take your call. One triple three five three. The night shift on Triple M. We'll come back and we'll talk some more on Truckee Tuesday.
Sugar Ray here on the night shift. Rod Hanafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association. It's been a busy morning. And obviously the focus has been on the collapse of one of Australia's biggest trucking groups. Uh, Scott's 1,500 jobs have been lost. We're still not sure how many of those jobs are truckies and how many are administration, but it's 1,500 jobs. And Rod, there seems to be a sense of optimism out there that a lot of these drivers may be able to find work elsewhere. And and look, they might have to look. They might have to make a few calls. We've already had a couple there uh, where others have been approached by other companies already. So we, we really wish them the best. Um, they've obviously done uh, you know, what they believe to be their best for Scots, but it seems to be that the problem was far higher up and uh, all we can do is hope that those blokes uh, you know, get themselves sorted, have a couple of days off and get into another job and, and keep the, uh, the produce flowing. Now, you've got to go and put your head down soon, but I'm happy to continue to take calls on this this morning. It's very important. And the question is, should the Australian taxpayer pay for the entitlements that are now lost with these with these workers. Um, and should the Australian taxpayer, should the government bail out people like Scots when you look at the workforce? They did it for many, many years with the Australian car manufacturing um, uh, industry. They did it with Qantas. Should the government bail Scots out? Um, well, mate. Uh, oh, mate was just saying there that he's still waiting for his money from, from Redstone. Red so those that think they're going to get their money in, in three or four weeks or 16, uh, look, I hope that they're not sadly disappointed then. If you want to talk about it, one triple three five three. even after Rod goes, I'm happy to continue to take calls. It's very important. Uh, Mark has a different story for you, though, a question. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Rod, this is one of the things that I've had a couple of red on the Western Highway. Right. So have you rang and reported it, mate? No, not as yet. Okay, well, it, in Victoria, it's 13, 11, 70. So that's yep. about roads, and, and those roads are on major highways, mate. And, and uh, you, you've got to let somebody know, because you, you would hope that there is normal maintenance and those people would pick it up. But if they haven't, yeah. and we know how few and far between they are, ring that number and make them aware, and, mate, let me know how you go. Oh, if I don't have any luck, I'll um, call back next Tuesday sometime. Yep, do that, mate. All right, thank you for your time. No worries at all. Thank you for your call. Um, Peter's in Coffs Harbour. G'day, Pete. Yeah, hi, Luke and uh, Rod. Mate, I want to come at, Scott, um, at this conversation with Scott's from a different angle, um, a little bit more from the subcontractor's thing because we're talking all about the drivers and that and their entitlements and that and they're going to be semi-protected by you know the government picking up uh, the slack 
there if the company doesn't. But these yep. poor subcontractors that might have one or two or three trucks who, who do even only part-time work for them, mate, if they're doing like and earning, you know, ten or $15,000 a month with these guys, they're relying on that money to come in so that they can pay their fuel bill and their mechanics and that. And the flow-on effect of them not getting that money, there's a good chance that they could go broke and therefore not be able to pay the guys that are, you know, fixing their trucks and that, along with the drivers that could lose their jobs as well because they can't pay their bills. And do you, and do you have any idea how many subbies they use, mate? Oh, mate, I, I wouldn't have an idea, but I know that I've done the odd load through, a, through another company for them and that, but there would have been a fair share of companies that um, would have been working for them and that for sure. Yeah, yeah, and look, m most of the trucks you see are pretty plain. Uh, you don't really know who's towing them for, you know, like even Lindsay's now have some subbies towing their trailers, which years ago was un unheard of. But, um, yeah, but I'm not, it's hard I'm not to know. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's hard not... to know how many were involved in that way, mate. It'd be interesting to see. And, and as you say, if, if they don't get paid their entitlement, well, they're going to struggle as well. Yeah, yeah, but I'm more talking about the guys that have got their own trucks and trailers doing the work for them and that, not necessarily towing their trailers oh, and right, that. Okay, so, so full trailer loads, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah, and, um, yeah, the flow-on effect through that and basically the sub, those subcontractors are generally the last one in the food chain when it comes to this where, yeah, they'll be lucky if they see a cent, cent of any money owed to them from Scott's Oil that I could yeah. see. The only thing with that is that that freight's still got to be moved, mate, and there's a good chance that they can move to one of the other companies. I, I believe Lindsay's picked up a little bit of their work, and we know that they offered it to them, but they obviously couldn't see value in, in spending more money to take it over. It's terrible that it's been running to the ground, and it's going to affect people's lives, and, and those people at the top, we certainly hope, don't just walk away. Yeah, well, like I said, some will be forced to because they won't be able to afford to pay their bills because they never got paid from Scots at all, at all you know? Yeah, yeah, they, When they're trying to run their business, they put put all their, you know, sweating, sweating that into building up a business for themselves yep. and that, and then through no fault of their own, they're going to, them will, yeah, some of them will and, end up having to shut their doors and put staff off as well, yeah. just because they, don't, they never got paid. You know, a bit like with the Alan Bond when he went collapsed and that, all those subcontractors that missed out. And that's the flow-on effects that you don't always see straight that's away. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very true. Hey, Peter, uh, thanks for your call. All good, mate. Thank yeah, the, the, the flow-on effect will be enormous, won't it? Yep, yeah. Man, we won't know until you know the, the administrators come out with some of the information. But we're unlikely to get it all. Uh, in the very short term, Luke, it'll be a while before we learn the whole truth. Listen, uh, I want to keep calls coming through on one triple three five three. I'm going to let you go. Put your head down. You got a big day today. Where are you off to? Oh, mate, I don't know yet. Uh, oh, this really? Stage, That'll be I'm exciting. Back to Dubbo. <laughs> I believe I'm heading back to Dubbo, but that's yet to be confirmed. I know that Justin, the boss at Sovey Sleep Apnea, is very keen to talk to you because it's a really, really important topic for people who drive for a living, right? Certainly is, mate. Yep, we want them safe out there. And if they uh, they aren't getting proper, decent sleep, then there must be a reason for it because uh, it's normally not, not just the hours themselves. So if you snore, if you choke, if you constantly feel tired, you may have sleep apnea. And studies have found that sleep apnea can increase your risk of having a motor vehicle accident. 
Now, if snoring affects you or your partner, just speak to your doctor. Snoring and sleep apnea is such a common problem. And if it's left untreated, it can also increase your risk. You were alluding to this earlier, right? Heart disease, stroke, even type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure. Sove, S-O-V-E, CPAP clinic. They offer bulk build sleep studies nationwide. They're a leader in the treatment of sleep apnea. The CPAP clinic.com.au. 1-300-762-939. When considering whether a sleep study is right for you, consult your doctor for advice. Bulk build sleep studies. They're subjected to Medicare criteria and terms and conditions. But go get yourself tested, please. We want you on the road for longer. Isn't that right, Rod? Speaking of being on the road longer, Rod, here's a story for you. I just I wonder if, because you're a man on the road and you talk to people on CBs, right? UHF there. UHF, channel what? Channel 40. For what? Trucks? Yes. And for and for civilians? Oh, Channel 18 for caravanners and RVers and that sort of stuff. RVers 17. Now listen to this story, Rod. Yep. Are you ready? This might inspire you. How, how far away from retiring are you? Oh, at least five years. Okay. All right. There was a lady that went online the other day. I saw it. When did I see it? I think I saw it on the weekend. It was a wonderful story about she and her husband decided to pull their kids out of school and take them on the road. And they sold their house. They sold nearly everything they have. And they bought a 40-foot – let me just – I've got to get the size of this thing right. They bought a, an RV. Like yep. it, it didn't say Winnebago, so I'm not sure if it was a Winnebago, but they bought an RV. Motorhome. A motorhome. Yep. And they took it around the country – here it is. Mother of two. She yanks her two children out of school, sells all her family's belongings, and she's now living full-time in, a, in a, an RV. And she says that traveling is the best education your kids can get. It's not a bad story, is it? I, I go with that. I reckon your kids, so long as they, they're getting homeschooled in some capacity, and we all learned that, that that is possible during COVID, don't you reckon, Rod, that your kids – now, how old are they? One is 12, the other one is six. Don't you reckon they'll learn a lot more on the road than they would in the classroom? What are your thoughts? Look, you've got to balance both of it. As you say, you can't just pull them out and head off and do nothing. You've got to teach them. And there are those that say that some of the curriculum in schools now doesn't supply what you need. So if you're doing it yourself, you perhaps, if you're a good teacher, to do a better job. Um, I know there's a few that have done it, mate. I've read it. There's a couple of people that do blogs now and things like that and have made it their life and, and are earning from having done that as well. Uh, then, of course, you get people that go and do seasonal work, like fruit picking and all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, there, there is a book that you can follow right around Australia, the fruit picking seasons. And, and without those people doing that, mate, we don't have our fruit and that in the, uh, the supermarket. So, so the, question I, the question I'm putting out here this morning, did you live on the road? Maybe you were brought up, maybe your parents worked at carnivals and were, were constantly traveling. Do you learn more on the road than you do in a classroom is my question. One triple three five three is the phone number. Do you remember that old television show? I think it was an Australian show, but this family that lived on a boat, with the, the young boy with his grandfather, the Rovers, do you remember that? Oh, I vaguely remember. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> 
Do you remember the Rovers? The Leyland brothers. The Leyland brothers used to live on the road. I <laughs> know. Uh, it, was, it was like an ocean-bound version of the Leyland brothers. Right. Do you remember that? No, but I remember the Leyland brothers. Rowena Wallace was in it. The very, very young uh, Rowena Wallace was in it. Yep. Um, that's the only person I can remember. But, yeah, they lived on a boat. It was on Channel 10. Does anybody remember the Rovers? Come on. So that, it was basically like that. Um, one triple three five three. were you born and bred or did you live on the road? Were, were the lessons you learned better than any time you could have spent at school? I want to, I want to talk about it. It has a romantic sort of a tinge to it, doesn't it? Eh? Rod, are you with me? It does. <laughs> Certainly does, mate. All right. Now, Rod, are you going to break apart another Nature Bee or not? Oh, not right now. No, no. I'm ready for bed now. But it was, so. a, it was an experience, wasn't it? It certainly was. It was, yeah. like, it was a wonderful experience. So that you can't do that with any other vitamins. Rod, I'll let you put your head down. We will talk next Truckee Tuesday. You have a safe week. We will do, mate. Safe travelling to all. Safe travelling to all. There he is, Rod Hanafy. Did you have, you're too young for, um, for the Rovers, I yeah. think. <laughs> Have you never heard of it? No, no, educate me. I was uh, just on the on the phone to a caller there, but I uh, just missed what you were saying before. Well, I'm, it was when I was very, very young, and it was about a family. Someone will ring up and tell me it was a family that lived on this boat. It was a boy and his grandfather, and Rowena Wallace, I think, was she was a she was a scientist. I'm just picking up. A, I'm just I'm trying to find the um, the theme music. I can't find it. Uh, um, Noel Trevathan, Rowena Wallace, and they lived on a boat. And there was a cranky old grumpy grandfather, and I think it was his grandson who lived on this boat. And these two scientists. You don't remember? Uh, it's too young. It's it's too old for you, I think, buddy. Yeah, it was uh, made in 1969, I think. There you go. You've looked it up. Go on. What else? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just doing a quick old Google search to get a bit of a, a feeling of it. But is it Australian? Yeah. Yeah. It was an island schooner owned by Captain Sam McGill, who was the old cranky grandfather. Bob Wilde was a freelance photographer, played by, uh, what was his name, Noel Trevathan. And there was a girl, Rusty Collins, who was a wildlife journalist. That's right. She was played by Rowena Wallace, and they, they travelled around Australia. It was a bit – it was a kind of a bit like – oh, it was kind of like Skippy, but on a boat. <laughs> yeah, almost a bit – would I be wrong in saying a bit Gilgans Island-esque? No, well, they didn't get shipwrecked, and, and no. No, you're completely wrong there. Thanks for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gilligan's on the ship uh, runs aground on the shore of this uncharted true, desert yeah, yeah, isle. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at the info uh, here on the show. It says um, the theme music composer was Barry Crocker. Barry Crocker, yeah. Um, Edward Heppel was the was the grouchy old captain. Edward Heppel. Oh, it's very vague. It was in black and white. I don't remember much about it. Anyway, the Rovers. It was called. I have to look at it. Oh, yeah. Well. Don't go well, anywhere. I do like old TV. I appreciate it. For what uh, well, it look it up. We need to do a segment. Old TV shows and actors, where are they now? Yeah. Why don't we do that?
TV and film, yeah. Where are they now? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, yeah. Did you grow up on the road? Not in a classroom, but in a van or a caravan or on a boat. I want to know, is it worth ripping your kids out of school and doing that as this family have done? I reckon it's a great idea, so long as there's balance and education, but I don't know. You tell me. One triple three five three is the phone number. This is the night shift on Triple M. Yeah, I've just tracked down the theme music uh, to the Rovers, 1969, for those who remember it. And um, I don't know if the lyrics today would pass muster. Um, An old, a young boy and an old man in their clipper (laughs) sailed off to see what they could see. Who remembers this? Yeah, there it is. Eddie Heppel was the captain, that's right. Rowena Wallace, Rusty. And uh, there, was, there were animals on board. Uh, Grant Seaton was the young blonde boy, Mike, who was on this clipper with his grandfather. And uh, there you are, well, the Rovers. God, that brings back memories. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Anthony's from Adelaide. He's been waiting on. Anthony, good day. Oh, by the way, before I go to Anthony, Jesus. The quickie, it's quickie o'clock. The quickie hasn't gone off. Um, what were my clues again, please? So clue number one. Early 90s. Not quite. Oh, did we get this? It was, it was, it was the, th- the first clue. It was a one of three. Oh, yeah, songs. singles taken from a very big selling album. That's right. Yeah. Then clue, the, uh, cl- Yep, clue number two was 1991. I actually got specific, did I? Okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and and then, clue number two? Yeah, clue number three. Three, is a house full of uni students. A house rental, full of okay. A house in full this of rental crisis. In the rental crisis, how one triple three five three? What song is it? Here it is. If you think you know the name of it, give us a call. I want to get rid of it now. I'm back to Adelaide. Anthony, hello. Adelaide, you got to t- Adelaide. Anthony, talk. Okay, Anthony's got his radio up at a million miles an hour and there's no chance of him saying hello to me for 10 seconds. Can you fix him up, please? Nick, hello. How you going, mate? I'm good, thanks. Nick, where are you? In uh, Belmont, Western Australia, mate. Good on you. And how come you're up? What do you do? Uh, Anxiety, depression, all that. Um, Trying to wind down, just... Yeah, just the normal look, you know how it is. Okay, I'm um, sorry to hear that, Nick. Well, no, what's, it, no, what's up, man? No, and no to uh, Around the Jungle with uh, Rowena Wallace. Leyland do you remember Brothers, that? Do you remember that, do you? No, come on, man. You don't I'm, I'm, I'm younger than you. Oh, okay. But it was repeated for many years. Nah, it's definitely not in my time. It was kind of like Leyland Brothers, but on a boat with an old... With the, with the cap, the old captain, and I think it was his grandson. I don't know how it, he came to be on a boat with his grandson, and then a wildlife journalist. I'm with Thomas on this one. Nah. Yeah, no, the Rovers. Okay, don't worry about it. All right. The next one is our p- transport system over here in Western Australia. What's wrong with your transport in Western Australia? The the buses, mate. Like we're having huge problems. Like it's all over Facebook and that. Yeah, what's um, happened? Just like the guards, or the not the guards, the 
bus driver trying to do their job. Mm. People are getting on the bus not paying. Oh, right. Yeah. That happens everywhere, yeah. Yeah, that's what Thomas do said. You, do you have, like, an Opal card in WA? I have, because I'm legally blind. We've spoken before. I have a Vision Australia pass, yeah. which means I get on the bus for free. Okay. Now, in Sydney, I, we called a light rail the other day. You can buy a card, a special public transport card, and you put money on it, and you tap on and tap off. But now you can do it with your credit card, any card. You just tap on, and it charges you, but then you tap off so it knows how far you've gone. You with me? Over here, with the but, but, but it is a trust thing. The driver is way, way, way up the front, and unless a ticket inspector gets on, you, you could travel Sydney Transport for free all day. No one would know. Yeah, but we have transit guards. We have people who check your ticket all day, every day. But what the trolling here in WA very shortly is tap on with your phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll happen. Everyone's yeah. – I notice in Coles now people are holding their phones up at, at the EPOS. <laughs> yeah, we're not holding it up to say, hey, look, photo, go on the radio. Yeah, people are paying with their phones. I, I saw somebody paying for their groceries with their watch the other day, Nick. Yeah, I seen that. Like, if I don't see it. I hear the tap. Yeah, they 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 wave their watches, so you can. Pay. Yeah, it's a it's an Apple Watch or a Samsung Watch, or you can get a Nokia Watch now. Yeah, can you? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of mobile do you have? I'm I'm in the market for a new phone. My phone has gone to shit. It's it's no good, and I want to stick with Apple. I'm going to talk to Trevor Long about this next hour, our tech guru. I want to I want to stick with Apple. Are you an Apple person? Yeah. I'm an apple man, never been an orange. Yeah. <laughs> like apples and oranges. Yeah. Like, so I never go for a Samsung, like your partner, Nikki. She's a Samsung joint. She's Sam. No, she's got a Huawei now. A Huawei? She's got that? a Huawei. It's a Chinese phone. Oh, God. No, no, I, can't, she... I, I can't keep up with Nikki's. No, I no, no, what happens is, let me just tell you what happens. She inherits her, she's got two daughters. And she inherits their old phones. Oh, okay. Okay, so she gets what she's given, and then she says, <laughs> and she says yeah. that she loves it. Yeah, but how are you going to? Same with the phones too. Yeah. So no, I've I've started with Apple when iPhones first came out. I got an iPhone, and I'm sticking with Apple only because I know how to use it. I I I couldn't I could not cope with learning something new. Exactly. So I'm in the same boat as you, Luke. But but for us vision impaired people. Apple talks to you more than Siri talks to you. Really? Is that true? Okay. Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, ask Trevor Long when he comes on. What day is that? Tomorrow? Or? Today. Oh, today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be today. You'll hear him today. No, I won't hear him because I'll be uh, walking the street. Well, you can podcast it. Oh, I can't podcast. You can. Everyone can do it. It's easy. You podcast it. You hear everything that you miss on our podcast on the listener app. Anyway... Nick, it's lovely to hear from you, mate. You take care. See you, mate. See you. Bye-bye. 133353 is the telephone number. That's the quickie. We've got a winner, have we? We don't know. Troy, hello. Hey, Luke. How are you? I'm good, Troy. What do you do? How come you're up? Uh, I drive a truck, mate, interstate. Another truckie. Yeah, mate. Well, you're very lucky to have a job, it seems. Oh, yeah. My job's pretty safe at the moment. That's good, mate. Why are you ringing me? Uh, the quickie. Okay, go. Wild Wild West, the escape club. 
No. No, it's not. I'm very sorry. One triple three five three is the telephone number. So, with the collapse of the Scots Trucking Group, we got a lot of listeners this morning who are worried about their jobs. And uh, I took a call yesterday from a bloke. I played a little bit of it during Rod Hannafy's segment. Um, his name was uh, Kevin. And uh, first of all, he's pissed off at Anthony Albanese, who he says doesn't seem to care about what's happened to Scots. Can a government really bail out busted up businesses? Is it the government? Is it the taxpayer's job? But the other thing is, he says, I'm 62 and I don't think I can find another job. Now, here is my question for you, listeners. Are you over 50 and did you start another career? Is it possible to teach new old dogs new tricks? What advice would you have for Kevin? He's been driving all his life. He's 62. He says he's going to have to sell his house now and possibly drive for menu log. Surely there's, there's better things for Kevin. If you have some advice, well, I'd really like to hear it. One triple three five three. This is the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Good day, Michael. Good day, Luke. How you going, mate? Man, I'm going very, very good. You sound on top of it today. <laughs> always, mate. Always. Hey, listen. Um, tell me. You t- tell me. You're calling me. They tell me that you're you're happy with your hose. <laughs> that's a, mate. That's a very that's a very personal question. How's your hose? <laughs> what What's the story? Mate, I absolutely love it, mate. This I is absolutely your, love it. This is your Aussie hose. It is, mate. It is. And honestly, I wish I'd found them earlier, mate, because mm. they have made my life so easy, mate. Honestly, they came out. Honestly, I've never, I've never met a company that comes and fits your hose <laughs> and gives you a presentation on how to use it. And just the quality of it, mate, honestly... Mate, I can't fault it. I it is fantastic. I, I mean, we've all had hoses over the years. And yeah. when I got – we got two. We got one out the front and one out the back. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it, but my missus does the gardening, and she yeah. she said it's changed my life forever. 100%, mate, 100%. You know what my big thing was, mate? Mm. The missus telling me to wash the car. Mate, you know what? I could not stand washing the car because I got this old hose mm. that was rolled up by hand mm. in my garage. Mm. Every time she told me, please, babe, can you wash the car? I'd be like, oh, man, I can't do it. Honestly. And since I put this hose on, mate, it is an absolute dream. It's like, you know, it's got the, the retractable. Yeah. So, mate, I don't need to wind anything up anymore it's just fantastic it doesn't kink doesn't do anything like that and it's absolutely beautiful mate i absolutely love it it's so good at 20 meters and you just click it to one side it goes back and then you click it again it will stop and it stops it stops but what about that did you get the tap fitting I did. Oh, I it's, did. It's, 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 so it's not like a normal uh, tap. Uh, no. It, it's, a le- it's a lever. Explain it. it how good it is. is this? Mate, this this is absolutely phenomenal because I had this old tap on it. You know, the, the old style. The, turn round, the right, round one. Turn yeah, yeah, yeah. Left. That's right. That's right. It was always a nightmare. It was always leaking. And the boys, when they came, they saw my tap. And not only that, but there was a, it was really bad pressure as well on the other tap. Once they fit this this new tap, mate, it doesn't leak. 
man, it's literally just a little lever. You turn it to the left, mm. turn it to the right, one one swipe this way, one swipe that way, and man, it turns on and off, no leaking, and the pressure is like yeah, I know. five to ten times better. That's what I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand the physics. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. love I love the lever because if you've got say arthritic fingers or correct, if you're elderly, you turn yep. this lever and it's on, it's off. But how the hell? Does it does it increase the pressure like it does? Yeah, I don't know, man. No. It's magic or something, man. But it has definitely put more pressure in my in my tap, which is fantastic. So even while I'm using my new Aussie hose, it is awesome. The pressure is so much better. The trigger itself, just like the adjustments, you know, you know when you've got a quality product. Um, you feel the quality behind it, and it's Aussie made. Like you know, it's know. Australian company. I absolutely love it, man. I, I, like, I, I know it's the best um, thing I've ever owned. And, honestly, yeah, and and that uh, the trigger nozzle, you know, uh, I love it. I know. So you can have hard water pressure. You can have a fine spray. You can correct. Uh, look, I'm so glad you rang. I'll tell you yeah. why. I only yeah. endorse products I believe in. Hundred percent. And this is this is another product that I believe in. Aussie hoses, mm, unbelievable. They are fantastic, and I'll tell you now, like, like I said, I have never found a company that comes and installs your hose. That already shows the pride and integrity that the company has, that they show their face, they bring it, they give you a presentation. That, to me, shows me that this company believes in their product, yeah, right. and they're ready to back it up, and it's got its warranty as well, two-year warranty. But honestly, I think it's going to outlast that probably 10 years yeah, by just their presentation and the way that they have come and their professional uh, plumbers as well that fit my that fit my tap as well. So you, you think about it. You go call a plumber just to come change your tap. Yeah. What's that cost you? Yeah, so 169 They come out, they bring the hose, they bring the nozzle. They'll inst- Everything. They install it. I know, it's unreal. Hey, Michael, I've got some advice for you. Tell me. Go and hose yourself down. <laughs> You're on fire, I'm going mate. today. It is hot. You're it on, is a hot day, too. <laughs> You're on fire, champion. <laughs> nah, mate. Look, it's just the truth. It's the honest truth, and, and that's just how I am, mate. You Good know, on you, I Michael. like to tell the truth, and that's just what it is. And I say it as it is. And uh, my, I highly recommend Aussie hoses to anybody out there that's looking for a quality product that is Australian company, um, you know, and we need to look after Australian companies. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make this clear. I mean, they are sponsors of mine. They are advertisers on the oh, night beautiful. shift. But, but your call today yep. is not an ad. You, you wanted to ring me. Oh, 100%. I know. I just, wanted to make, I just wanted to make that clear. I love it when people love the products I endorse. Hey, 100%. Hey, Michael, have a great yep. day. Mate, thank you so much as well. And thank you to Aussie Hoses as well. I really, really love it, guys. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the great work. And I'm going to be uh, ordering a few more of you guys. You get one out the front, one out the back, and one, one out the back. And one on the side. I've already got my neighbors, mate. I've already got my yeah. neighbors looking at me. <laughs> Good on you. Hey, hey, now, now all you need to do is get some Swift Grow and everything. Anyway, that's another story. Hey, that's it. <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, Michael, thanks for your call. Thanks, heaps. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Luke. This is the night shift. The night shift on the Triple M Network. Guy, you're enthusiastic. 
Very, they are the, it's the best hose you'll ever get. AussieHoses.com.au. Tell them, make sure you say that you heard it here and you'll get a special deal. AussieHoses.com.au. Quick break, be back. Oh, I forgot we need another clue for today. What did you say? What was your clue? Clue number four today. Yeah. It wasn't a very wooden performance. It wasn't a wooden performance at all. You're very true. Okay, the quickie sounds like this. Okay, you've heard all the clues. What is it, Matt? Hi, mate. How you going? Good, thank you. That's the way. Is it learning to fly, Tom Petty? No. I'm very sorry, Matt, from Newcastle. Alan, hello. Hello. Yes, Alan, what's the quickie? Uh, Is it Wishing You Well by Powderfinger? No, it's not. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. That's the quickie. Have a crack. Now, Beth is in Perth, who has phoned us. Hello, Beth. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for waiting. Thanks for calling us. What are you doing? How come you're up? Um, I am driving back from work from writing notes. From what? Driving back from my veterinary hospital, being up all night writing notes. Writing notes. You're a vet. I am a vet, yes, in a what was a traditionally male role and is not so much anymore. Oh, there's plenty of female vets, aren't there? There was. As of 1996, we overtook the men. Um, my graduating class was 90%, um, but there is still a lot of discrimination um, in the workforce against us. Didn't Vicky from a country practice pave the way? She absolutely did. Grew up with her. <laughs> what was her name? Um... Oh, gosh. I mean, you're taking me back to when I was a little kid in the 80s. Oh, she was married to Clive Robertson at one stage. Penny. Nope. And I've only looked it up the other day, too. Yes, that's it. Penny Cook. Was that her? I think she was married to Clive. It was a very strange matchup. Anyway, she was a vet in the country practice. She paved the way for women vets. Absolutely paved the way. And she drove a lot of women. She inspired a lot of women to become vets. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So tell me, being a vet, a veterinary surgeon, you're in a city? I am, yes. So, so you deal, I'm tipping, mostly with cats and dogs? Mostly with cats and dogs. I do a few snakes, yeah. birds, chickens. Yeah. Um, I'll do everything. Yeah. Hey, do you know much about snakes? Uh, a little bit, yes. Okay. There was a story in the paper on Sunday. I was going to do, uh, say something on it this week. I was going to try and find an expert, but you'll do. Thanks. There are a lot of pythons finding their way into homes, and and uh, experts are trying to find out why suddenly a python's going into in the houses. Is it because um, the, the houses are warm? Is it because there are mice and rats inside? And my um, in-laws, my brother-in-law lives in a flat downstairs from his mother and dad. He had a four and a half metre python just curled up on his windowsill. Pretty big python. It's a very big python. They got the bloke from Wires to come. The bloke from Wires said, let it stay. <laughs> he said, let it stay. He said, no, no, I, I, I want it outside. So they put it outside in the garden. But um, I wonder how many people have got pythons in their roof and don't know it. Probably a lot more than they realise. Yeah. Um, I think loss of habitat, um, attraction to mice and rats, like you said, or yeah. pet birds, chickens. Um, we'll all drive them towards houses. Are they good pets? Fantastic. Very low maintenance. Are they friendly? Most of them are, yes. They they, they can bite, though. Um, generally, once they're tame, they're not a problem. 
um, as long as you don't, you know, your hands don't smell like chicken or mouse. Yeah, that'll do. Do they? Is it true that snakes have bad eyesight? Um, they rely a lot on vibration, so their eyesight's not fantastic. But they have eyes. They have eyes, but this is what's really cool about snakes is they can actually smell or taste mm. in, um, in uh, I'm trying to think, you know, in a radio station, how you can hear the radio out of two sides of the car? It's stereo. Stereo. Snakes can taste <laughs> in stereo. They taste in stereo. So when they put their little tongue out with the little fork, yeah. one side of the tongue will taste more than the other side, and that will be the direction they either go towards such as prey or avoid such as a prey. No way. I always thought that was pretty cool. That is really, really cool. I don't have Dr. Carl Krasinicki this week because he's in the Antarctic or an Antarctica. Lucky him. So you can be my my um, new provider of fa- fantastic go- um, science news this week, okay? Sounds great. Okay, so today it's all about, it's all about snakes. And yeah. with me is snake expert, Perth vet, Beth. You're now going to be a star. You're going to be my expert on snakes. So snakes can actually taste in stereo. That's what the forked tongue's about. That's what the forked tongue is for. So they stick it in and out, and they can yep. and they can taste one side with one part of the tongue and the other with the other. Yep, and then they can taste the difference between how many molecules they'll taste on each side of the tongue. So obviously the side that tastes the most molecules is the, the side that's got closest to um, what they're tasting. There was a picture in the paper... Um, on Sunday of a family that found a six-metre shedded snake skin. Six metres. What, what the hell? Uh, probably not as... The snake's probably not as big in real life as the snake skin because the, the snake skin sort of stretches. It stretches, yeah. But that's still a pretty big snake. It's a very big snake. Now, the one that was in my brother-in-law's flat on the windowsill in the sun had a big lump halfway down its tummy. Mm-hmm. And it was bigger than you would think. It wasn't a rat. I'm tipping a possum. Possibly. Can a python eat a possum? Uh, depends on the size of the snake. Sure. But yes, I don't see why not. Um, you know, a, a small little Stimson's python can, can easily eat a, a chick or a guinea pig. And do they only eat once every blue moon? They're supposed to, but a lot of snakes in captivity are rather fat and overfed. Yeah. And you reckon pythons make a good pet do they recognize you after a while i mean i mean obviously they don't fetch but what they do they've got great little personalities now tell me about that tell me about snakes and personalities um they i mean they don't have as much as a as a dog or a cat but they do have a good personality they do interact with you do they how they i used to take mine out to a cafe um i used I did. I used to take mine out. I took him to a cocktail party once, and I came back, and he was covered in red lipstick kisses. No. Um, they're, they are a lot of fun, and, and they are a very low-maintenance pet. They're the sort of pet that if you're having a busy week, you can, you know, someone's got water, you can leave it for the week. Um, whereas a dog, you know, if you don't walk it every day, the, the dog struggles, and it mm. can affect their mental health. Mm. So. Snakes are good low-maintenance. Snakes are low-maintenance, and pythons can make good pets, and they have personalities, eh? Um, Are they – if you were going to have a python for a pet, would you have a male or a female? Doesn't really matter. I haven't found much of a difference between the personalities. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. 
definitely there's a, a difference between the breeds or the, the species. Tell me what. I think Stimmies are the best. Little what? Stimpsons, pi- Little Stimpsons pythons are the best. They're a great low-key, easy children's pet. Um, they don't bite. Um, they're, they're just very friendly little snake. Is it true that all breeds of snake are venomous to an extent? Not that I've come across, so no. I read somewhere that all snakes have some sort of a venom. Not that I've read in the literature. Okay, but pythons, they if they get to know you, they won't bite you. Correct. But unless you, you unless your hands smell of mice, so if you've been handling their food and you don't wash your hands yeah. and you smell tasty, then yes, you can get bitten. So they can, on occasions, bite the hand that feeds them. Absolutely. Where, where do they go to the toilet? Uh, just in their cage. And is it is there much of it? Uh, it's a little bit like a bird poop. Is it? Yep. So there's the the brown bit, which is like a normal poop, and there's the white bit, which is like um their wee. And, and so snakes wee. They do. Okay. Not quite the same as a human, but the same as a bird. I tell you, can I tell you something else I read, and you tell me if it's fact or fiction, okay? Mm-hmm. I heard that a good deterrent for snakes, you know, because a lot of people that I, I uh, that listen to me have a problem with brown snakes, black snakes, car, you know, um, tiger snakes. There are some very nasty snakes in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I heard a, 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 nat- a great deterrent for them is tomcat wee. Is that Love true? That. I have not heard that one before, but I know some pretty good people in the industry I can ask. Could you come back to me? Absolutely. And tell me if tomcat piss, wee wee, is a natural deterrent for snakes. I can find that out. I mean, I probably wouldn't think so, being the fact that cats are not native to Australia and the the snakes have been here for a very long time. But I know some people to ask. Come back to me. Leave me with one more fascinating piece of trivia about snakes. Uh, black-headed pythons are resistant to venomous snake bites. So if a tiger snake bites a black-headed python, um, it won't kill them because they are naturally immune because that's what they eat. Now, is it true that brown snakes eat black snakes? Or is it the other way around? That one I don't know. My Most of my experience is with um, pythons. Yeah, fair enough. All right. I wish you were an expert on bull sharks because they're fascinating me at the moment. We're going to try and get an expert how bull bull sharks have evolved. Because you know, oh, sharks and crocodiles are dinosaurs. And bull sharks are breeding unbelievably upstream in almost complete fresh water. They've adapted. And because there's no predators, they're breeding profusely. And that's why we're seeing so many bull sharks and bull shark attacks up rivers and canals now. But um, that's another story. I, I have heard um, up the Brisbane River, the mm. bull sharks will go quite far. There was a 14-metre bull shark caught on a fishing line in the Noosa River two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a big and that, shark. And that's where people swim. So there you are. This is, it's been fantastic, Beth, talking to you. How many years uni is uh, to be a vet? Uh, five or six. I don't know. Doesn't you tell three. me. <laughs> It's it's five or six, depending on the university you go to, and you often have to have at least one, if not two, degrees to get in. It's quite quite competitive. Well, I would have thought that being a vet is maybe harder than being a GP because your patients can't talk to you. Correct. Oh, they talk. They just don't speak English. How do they talk? Give me an example. They communicate with their body language. They communicate in the way they respond when you touch them. Like if their tummy's sore and you touch their abdomen, they will, you know, they will 
jerk and, and show you that their tummy's sore. Um, there's a lot that they tell you in their body language and the way they behave. Mm. They do speak. They just don't speak English. Yeah, wow, there you are. It is absolutely harder than being a human doctor because we have to do all of the species. We graduate being able to do horses, cows, sheep, pigs, dogs, cats and chickens. And then on top of that, we have to have our own interest in things like snakes or pet birds Mm. or guinea pigs or rabbits. Um, You know, where I graduated from in Queensland, rabbits are illegal, so we don't get taught anything on rabbits. So everything I've learned with rabbits, I've had to learn myself and self-teach. Rabbits are completely illegal. You're not allowed to have a rabbit as a pet in Queensland. That's right. Uh, We joke and call them long-eared guinea pigs, which is not a joke that goes down well in Perth. That's right. Yeah, go to a pet shop. I want a long-eared guinea pig, please. But on, on top of that, not only do we have to know all the species, we're the GP, the surgeon, the dentist, the pharmacist. Um, we we do all of it, and, and we don't refer that often the way they do in human medicine. No, that's right. All vets are surgeons, but not all GPs are surgeons. Correct. That's abso- And you are the pharmacist. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Being a vet, does it pay well? No, not at all. No. Really? Absolutely appalling. A very, very good – one of my best friends – and I've known him for many, many years, is Dr. Rob Zamet. And I don't know whether you've ever heard of him. He was one of the original vets on Burke's Backyard. Anyway, he's written books and he has a big veterinary surgery west of Sydney at Vineyard. And uh, I've spoken to Rob on air for many, 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 many years. And he was telling me that the suicide rate amongst vets is extremely high. Correct. Because when they have to put an animal down, they've got the family around them. And it's it's just horrendous. It is, and we get a lot of abuse. I mean, that that's very heartbreaking. I think it's something as as vets we do very well. Euthanasia means good death, but that's not often what is driving us towards suicide. It's the low pay, it's the long hours, it's the animal abuse we see, and it's the abusive clients that we have to deal with. Because um, people don't understand, you know, even you've got. You've got to make a living. You've got equipment to maintain, staff to, to pay, rents to pay. And uh, surgery, a long surgery on an animal is an expensive thing. And if it doesn't work out right and the animal passes away, people don't want, don't want to pay. A lot of the time people don't want to pay anyway. Um, I think we're very privileged in Australia with our human medical system where people, because we don't have to pay for it, people don't see the true value in what they're getting. When you go to the pharmacy and you pay $5, for a packet of medicine, you don't realise that sometimes the government's paying fifty, five hundred, five thousand dollars for that packet of medicine and it's subsidised. So then when you go to the veterinarian and you have to pay full price, they don't realise that what they've been getting from our government is, is very good um, and we're not subsidised. Um, but we do things a lot cheaper than human medicine because we have to. Yeah. Um, we're very efficient, but at the end of the day, we don't have a government paying for it. It has to be paid by the private public. There you are. I, where I live, we live in what's called the paralysis tick capital of Australia, the Northern Beaches, yeah, in Sydney. And uh, we went to get our dog. By the way, did you know, do you want to hear something amazing? Mm-hmm. My black and white border collie, his name is Barney. Next week, he's 15. Fantastic. I know. That is awesome. He is 15 next week. Anyway, so we will have... Try not to laugh at this, Beth, the vet. But about a month ago, we were faced with a dilemma. Do we pay 156 for a six-month tick treatment when he's fit, when he's turning 15 soon? 
And we showed great enthusiasm and optimism, and we got him the six-month tick treatment. But it's $156. That's for the pace that you put on his skin down his back, on his neck and his back and down. Now, okay, I can afford that, but a lot of Australians who need pets for companionship, and I'm talking pensioners and people with a mental uh, a mental issue, their pets are their therapy, their life. And it's very, very expensive. Who can afford that sort of a tick treatment? I suppose the alternative is if they do get paralysis tick and you end up in hospital and they're up to, you know, one, two, ten thousand dollars can you afford that? No, I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, here's an, an essential medicine, preventative medicine, especially where I live. And I just want, and when I went, when I paid for it, 156 bucks for six months, and I just thought, God, how do, how do people who are doing it really, really tough and their pets they rely on, how do they do this? I suppose at the end of the day, they don't when they can't afford it. They, and, um, yeah, they don't. They let it go. The ceremony over in, in Queensland after the floods, they, they ran out of stock because of all of the ticks coming out after the floods um, and people not putting preventatives on their animals. And, and the state actually ran out of, of tick serum and people were having to ration it. Mm. Um, so it can become quite dire. And I suppose with some organisations, I know, you know the guide dogs um, of Western Australia, they supply all of those products um, to their guide dogs. So some of those therapy dogs can be supported by the organisation from which they've come. Um, but there are also a lot of other wonderful organisations like Vets in the Park that help people, homeless people, um, with products such as that um, and vaccinations and vet checks. So there are a lot of organisations out there that can do low cost and do do a lot of fantastic mm. things. Well, we need to know about that. Listen, you are sensational, Beth. Can we talk... Regularly, I mean, it's, it's. I know it's late for you. The reason you're ringing is because you've been doing your books. But I'd love to talk to you more often. Yeah, I'd love that. That would be fantastic. Can I put you back to Thomas? Yep, fantastic. And from now on, you're Beth the pet. You're Beth the vet. Yep. We'll come up. I'll come up with a name for you, and maybe we we can talk more I'd often. Go by Doctor Beth at work. Doctor Beth, and maybe <laughs> one morning you can maybe take one or two or three calls from people who want to ask you a question. Sounds fantastic. I'd love that. Well, there you go. The people you meet here, eh? Sounds great. Beth, this the vet. A great conversation. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you for your information on pythons. Stay there, Beth. Thomas is going to talk to you on, off air. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great night. What an interesting person. See, there you go. And um, one morning, if it suits Dr. Beth, the vet, we'll um, invite you to ring up and you might have a pet question for her and she'll answer you. How good is that? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Good day, Athol. Athol. Oh yeah, it's uh, Athol from Albury. Just want to go with the quickie, if I could. Yes, mate. Uh, is it Metallica? Nothing else matters. That's a very good guess. It sounds just like it. No. That's all right. No worries. I'm very, very sorry. Thanks for your call. One triple three five three. The night shift on Triple M. I love the spin doctors. They're funky, aren't they? Uh, that is called uh, Two Princes here on the Night Shift with Luke Boner. One triple three five three. I just love Beth the Vet. We're going to get Beth the Vet back on again, Thomas. Let's get her on soon, and we'll let people ring her and ask questions because a lot of our listeners have pets. They're so important. I, honestly, the cost of protecting your dog from a paralysis tick. Six months treatment, 156 bucks. Now, for some people, that's nothing. But for a lot of people, that's just so much money. And so many people have pets 
for the lifesavers. They have them for therapy. They have them for company, companionship. They're their life. Homeless people often have a dog for protection. And if it wasn't for the dog, they, you know, they'd be in a lot worse position than they are. Their pets are so vital to their well-being and mental health. And it costs so much to protect your dog from a tick. Uh, I don't know. You know. Should governments go around subsidising animals? Uh, medications. I think maybe if you can prove that you're in a needy position, possibly, because those pets are saving lives. Are you with me? One triple three five three. Remember when you'd bite into a piece of fruit and it'd be bursting with flavour, the taste of freshly squeezed orange juice. Well, Swift Grow restores nature's microbial life back into any soil. It makes your garden roar into life. It gives taste to fruit and veggies, creates lush green lawns, and makes flowers bloom. If, are you a tomato grower? Oh, oh, if you grow tomatoes, whether they be the big fat romas or the little cherry tomatoes, you put Swift Grow into them and watch what happens. In fact, put Swift Grow onto anything that grows and watch what happens. It's unbelievable. It is completely organic and it puts friendly, intelligent microorganisms into the soil. And it just keeps working away. And it holds water. And it releases that water when the plants are drought stressed. And it keeps everything greener and uh, looking just lush. Four one litres of Swift Grow and two 250 mils of Swift Fort for just 119 bucks. It's half price. Go to swiftgrow.com.au. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. Where are you, Steve? How are you, mate? Hey, Steve. Yeah, mate. Got where, you. where are you, buddy? Uh, just, just about coming into Adelaide. I heard you talking to someone. Who are you, who are you talking to? Sorry? Who are you talking to? No, I just had the radio oh, on. Oh, it was the radio. No worries, mate. Yeah. What, what can I do for you? Uh, I just want to have a go at the quickie. Knock it over. Yeah, it's probably a little bit old for your show, but I'll give it a go. Um, Cliff Rich, Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard. Uh, living goal with the young ones. No, it's not. And but you've missed one of the clues. One of the clues is the song was released in 1991. Ah, uh, nah, you missed that one. Yeah, I've got the um, the uh, the house full of uni students. Yeah, the house full of uni students. Got that was a funny show, wasn't it? It was. That was a cracker. It was. Yeah. It, it was a very very funny show. I loved it. Um, yeah. Hey, sorry, you're wrong, but you have a great day. Whereabouts are you? Just coming in Adelaide, mate. Yeah, truck driver. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got a job. Yes, yes. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good at the moment. Okay, well, you take care. You too, mate. See Thank you, mate. You. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the number. The night shift on Triple M. Good morning, Australia. How are you? Welcome to Tuesday, March 7. Trevor Long joining us shortly. Uh, TikTok are going to put a timer on their FaceTime screen when it comes to kids. Can you believe this? Uh, more on that a little bit later on. Uh, but right now, uh, in the news today, you'll hear all about Donald Trump at CPAC. What is CPAC? Well, it's the Conservative Political Action Conference in the United States where the Republican leaders get together and the candidates sort of get to strut their stuff. Um, mind you, a couple of very prominent Republican candidates were absent. DeSantis being one of them. No one really knows why. 
but the thing the 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 thing that's come out of out of CPAC and the latest thing in the United States today, and you're going to hear all about it today, is that Donald Trump has released a song. I'm not kidding. Donald Trump has released a single. And you won't believe who the backup singers are. They're called the J6 Prison Choir. The J6 Prison Choir. The song is called Justice for All. And um, basically, it's embracing the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Because the J6 Prison Choir... Uh, people who were actually imprisoned and put into jail because of the January 6th protests in Washington. It's the most bizarre thing you've ever heard. I'll, I'll play it for you a little bit later on. But the former US President Donald Trump says he's going to continue. He's vowing to continue his third presidential campaign, even if he's indicted. He says, absolutely, I wouldn't even think about leaving. Could it be that Donald Trump could defeat Biden at the next election and become president again? He's only got one more term if he does get in. Or is Trump, because I was reading on the weekend that about 28% of Republican voters would vote for Trump even if he ran as an independent. Well, an interesting part of What's going on at CPAC, the um, annual Conservative Political Action Conference, is that they're going to ask Republican nominations for the presidency to sign an agreement that will say if they're knocked out of the race, they will not fractionalise the Republican Party by running as an independent, which has happened before. It happened to Bush with Clinton. Uh, We'll explain that in just a second. Um, our expert on all things international is Dr. Keith Souter. He is the managing director of the Global Directions Think Tank and has his own podcast on the Listener app. It's called Global Truths, and he joins us this morning. Dr. Keith, good morning. When I was talking to that very, very enthusiastic Michael about his his Aussie hose, God, how good was he? Loves his Aussie hose. I didn't tell you the phone number. one three hundred three eight four one six five aussiehoses.com.au. Get your Aussie hose. 169 bucks. Fully installed anywhere in Australia by trained professionals. And you get a trigger nozzle, a bonus trigger nozzle. The 20-meter auto retract garden hose. The best hose you'll ever, ever own. A 20 meters kinkless. Kink-free. Tangle-free. You will just love it. It'll change your life forever. one 384 aussiehoses.com.au. Hello, Michael. Yeah, g'day, Luke. Yeah, I know why that ball valve, uh, is a, uh, that hose, yeah. is a ball valve type instead of a jumper. It's a jumper valve. It's a normal hose. So the water pressure pushes up onto the, the jumper valve and it's hard to get the flow to go through. Whereas the ball valve opens it up and doesn't have any restrictions. Are you a plumber? Oh, no, I, I have plumbing background. But okay. This, this, this Aussie hose thing, this is not an ad. This is, this part, <laughs> this is not an ad. I, did, I had no, Michael, I had no idea you were going to talk about this, correct? 
Yeah, correct. I had no idea. So when you get your Aussie hose, the the tap, what is it? What do you call it? It's instead of it being like in a crossbar in a T. Yes. This is one lever, so it's really easy to manoeuvre. And I don't. You're explaining to me because the first thing you notice is your water pressure increases with this special brass tap that they put on that replaces the um, traditional tap. It's so much easier to use, but the water pressure is unbelievable. Now, why does it do it? Because the with a traditional hose cock with yeah. a jumper valve, yeah. the water pushes the jumper valve up when you open up the, the, the valve, uh, allowing the water to go through. But with a ball valve, it opens up so that the flow has no restrictions from the water, from the tap and the valve and the mechanism itself. I think, I think I understand. All I know is this special tap that Aussie hoses put on for you when they come out to your house, it just increases the water pressure. So, I mean, imagine how much a plumber costs to come out to your house. When you order your Aussie hose, they do it for you and install it. You've got a dripping tap, they fix it. And they'll put one of these special levers on. Anyway, thank you, Michael. But that's not why you rang. No, I rang to the quickie. Yeah. I think it's uh, October Grey by the Screaming Jeff. Oh, God, I wish, I wish you were right, but no. Okay. No. I've forgotten Thomas's clue. It was, Tom, it was Thomas's clue today. What was your clue again? It's not such a wooden performance. Not a wooden performance. No. Not a wooden performance at all. Uh, a room full of uni students was one of the clues. Michael, you didn't win it, but thanks for your call. No problem. Bye-bye. Have a good day. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The night shift on Triple M. Uh, Trevor Long from EFTM. Everything for the man coming up in just a second. Um, TikTok. TikTok will soon introduce a new feature set and it's going to turn the lives of teenagers on their heads, Trevor Long is saying. A 60-minute screen time limit. What? And it's TikTok's idea. More on that in just a second. Sarah from Kalgoorlie has been waiting on. Sarah, I'm sorry you've been there so long. Good morning to you, mate. Good morning. Now, earlier in the program, we were talking about women absolutely killing it in traditional male um, occupations. And I was talking about a, an absolute superstar I met yesterday, a female mechanic by the name of Chris who drives for the NRMA. And what an absolute star she was, an absolute credit to the NRMA. And mechanics, it's a traditional male occupation, isn't it? Now, tell us, what what do you do? I'm a loader operator. Take me through it. Uh, So I move rocks and put them in trucks, in a big loader. And how did you get that job? Uh, My husband works in a mine site. Okay, take us through it. In, uh, in what way? <laughs> well, you rang me to tell me the story, so I'm waiting to hear your story. It's traditionally a male job. You're a female excavator and a loader operator. Usually that's a job for a bloke. How did a woman get it? Ah, oh, well, there's a few women around now that's doing it. I'm not the only chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just applied for it and got it. I started off as road crew and then I went into loader and, yeah, now I'm excavator, loader, water cart. Is it hard work? 
Nah, not really. Just a night shift is a bugger. Yeah, and is it good money? Oh, yeah, I'm not complaining. Well, give us an idea. Uh, $45 an hour. So how much a year do you work? Do you earn? I do, where do I work? In Kalgoorlie. So how much a year do you earn? Oh, uh, and hundred and twenty-five. Yeah, and that's that. And for a lot of people, that's very good money. Are the men easy to work with? Oh, you have some pain in the bums and some good ones. Do you, do you sit them on their ass? Do you put them in their place? Nah, nah, I'm still learning. All right. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Anyone can do it. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah from Kalgoorlie, a female excavator and a loader operator, uh, a woman in a man's world. Well done, Paul. Hello. Hey, Luke, how you going? I'm good, Paul. Um, I just want to have a go at the quickie if I can. Yes. Is it uh, REM, Losing My Religion? Mm. No. Oh, bugger. I'm very sorry. One triple three five three. Now, Rose, where are you? Oh, hello. Oh, well, that was quick, Luke. The other time I spoke to you recently, I waited... Quite a while, but I've got to get some shut eyes. So, all right, now you're you're on the radio now. So let's talk now. What did you want to say? I wanted to say, um, how, um, what? I wonder what that chap's doing that's retiring. He didn't mention what he's going to do with his time that he's going to have. But there's three other major things. I just remembered that as I was thinking about it. Okay, what what's the main thing you wanted to talk about, Rose? Because I've got to keep moving, mate. I know, I know, Luke. I know how busy you are. What did you and, want to uh, say? Tell me what you want to say. The python, the children's python, is a brilliant idea mm. um, because it's uh, therapy. Mm. I had an interaction, a shock interaction at Mataranka, Northern Territory, in my heyday in 1982 when I was doing bar work, mm. waitressing, cooking for buses, etc., etc. Six days a week, had one day off to go on the drink with, an S, with a carton and have a day off. In my heyday... I was standing at the bar pouring drinks. The bar was full of people. Some some uh, nice chap decided just to uh, rev me up and dropped a fucking... Oh, gee, eight, the, eight. The, there go, she goes. There she goes off into the... Um, tell Rose that uh, if she wants to tell me her Python story, just to curb her language, we're getting close to when little ones might be getting up with mum and dad, and uh, she's gone and blown it for the day. Um I, I sincerely apologise, Trevor Long. You're probably deeply offended by that language. <laughs> Not. I've just never heard anything like it in all my years. I know. She, she, I was dying to hear about her encounter in a pub with a python. Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. I'm. Um, yeah. You're, I'm not you're stunned. Sure I was. You see, these, these are the people that you meet on the night shift, mate. These no, are... no, I'm across it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think they're great people. Um, have another drink, Rose. <laughs> have, have another. Have another vat of wine, Rose. One, tri- <laughs> one triple three five three. Trevor Long from EFTM. Everything for the man. I couldn't believe this story when I read this. Mm. I mean, here is uh, an organisation that you would think is going out of its way to employ lots of very clever people to try and engage, especially young people, to use their platform for as long as possible. Mm. And yet they've come up with a new feature, and. Tell me this. It's it's a 60-minute screen time limit. What? TikTok, yeah. Um, this is interesting because there's more to the story than, than, than just the headline, I'll be honest. So as of – it's about a week and a half away. The, any under-18 uh, user of TikTok 
will automatically have a 60-minute time limit imposed upon them. Mm -hmm. And that means that as they're swiping and scrolling away, mm -hmm. um, it'll just come up and say, look, you've been using for 60 minutes, take a break. But let me be clear. It's opt-out, which is great. That's the way these kind of things should be. But it is an opt. So the kids can go in and change that setting. But they need so a they password can... to change it, don't they? Well, no. If they're oh. in control of their own account, oh. then they can do what they like. Yeah. But here's my regular and continued message here on the night shift. If you're a parent in this digital age, you cannot just assume that, you know, from afar you can manage all these things. You need to be involved. And so if you've got a teenager, so I've got a 12-year-old who, in, and on her birthday later this year, mm. will request for her birthday, not money, not, not goods, she will request social media. She will want access to TikTok and Instagram. I know it. She does um, it now, right. Well, no, she wants it desperately, but good luck getting that from Trevor Long's daughter. Um, oh. So unfortunately, the, 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 the age limit is 13, and I'm a stickler for it. So while all of is it, I didn't know. It, I didn't know. TikTok, the age is 13, is it? Yes, age limit is 13. I now, did not obviously, know that. I did not know there's, there's 11 and 12-year-olds on it because they fudged the bloody year. Um, kids aren't stupid. What do you mean, uh, what do you mean they fudged the year? What they when they when they signed up, they just went. Oh, I was born in twenty. Is that all you're going to say? I mean, you just got to write down the date you were born and your name. Your kids don't have ID, you know. No, so they so what they just believe you. That's right. Well, they have to. Uh, you know, that's here's the thing. This is not incumbent upon Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok to verify these things. It's incumbent upon parents to mm. know what their kids are doing. Mm. So I can list 15 kids in my um, daughter's, you know, friendship group that are all on TikTok. Uh, and I'm like, okay, fine. Parents, you don't care. You don't want to, uh, whatever. I don't mind. But my daughter will be on it when she's 13. But when she's 13, I am also on TikTok and she will be paired with my account. Mm -hmm. So that these settings like this screen time limit and stuff like that will be controlled by my account mm -hmm. so that this opt out, they can't change. She can't choose to, to, you know, set her own limits. They're discussed with me. And so this, this, there's actually a bunch of really good tools here being built by TikTok for parents, but it requires parents to be engaged. You as a parent need to jump onto TikTok. You need to join. You need to pair up your kid's account. You need to understand it. And there's no point as a parent trying to come down upon kids uh, if you're not using the platform because you don't know what, what, what's happening on it. There's also no, no uh, great benefit as a parent in ignoring what your kids are doing on their phone because it's only going to end in tears at some point. So I actually, I, I admire what TikTok's done. I support what they've done in introducing these things. And look, my older, my son, my 16-year-old, self-imposed a time limit on TikTok because he mm. knew it was taking up too much of his time. Mm -hmm. So using Apple screen time, we, we set a limit. So look, it's a great move by TikTok. If your kids are on TikTok, you need to be on TikTok and you need to link your accounts. And then you need to sit around the dinner table one night and go, so what do we think the rules should be? As a family, let's discuss it. And then you, you come up with a number. You come up with a set number of minutes per day that the kids can use TikTok. And you agree as a family. And then from that on, it's all managed by the phones. You don't have to get involved. My kids, and they're not kids, they're adults now. Yeah. But they call it the talk. Where'd you get that? Oh, yeah. I saw it on the talk. Yep. Nah, and if someone sends you a link, here's how you know uh, how hip your friends and your friend group are. No matter how old you are here, um, if you if your friends are sending links to you, certainly via email, they're very old. If they're sending links to you via message or WhatsApp that are links to Instagram Reels, then you know, your friends are old. They're, they're out of date because TikTok is like three weeks ahead of Instagram. All the good content's on TikTok, folks. That's where you've got to be. Okay. Um, if you think that 
record speeds are the best thing to come from our jump to 5G. Think again, you've written. But I, honestly, let me tell you this, Luke. I think this is the biggest story in mobile in, in decades because it's all well and good to get 5G and even 4G from 3G, better speeds, all this stuff, great, great, great. But you talk to anyone, especially your listeners, right, out on out the bush, driving on the roads, coverage is the problem, coverage is the concern. So when I was in Barcelona, I caught up with a bunch of Telstra executives and they were telling me about this thing called 5G Advanced. And I'm mm-hmm. like, next generation 5G, what, 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 what's this? And they go, it's basically a new platform, it's a new uh, standard globally that will also use satellites. So the towers still exist on the ground, Mm -hmm. but essentially when you roam outside of the the range of any tower, um, the satellites will become part of the mobile network. Now, this won't work on your current phone. In a couple of years, new phones will have this kind of additional, I guess, radio technology that will allow them to, you know, send and receive signals from satellite. And those satellites will mean that you can be anywhere, literally on any speck of dirt in Australia, standing outside, and you can make a phone call and send a text. Now, we have satellite phones, don't we? Yeah, which cost a bucket to, yeah. to use but, and to buy. But that This technology... is your normal mobile phone. Just because you left the area will still work. Everywhere. So wouldn't don't that... you think that's amazing? I do think it's amazing. So, like, my audience that, that, that drives all over Australia will love it. Honestly, it just changes the game. And here's the thing. We're not just talking about Telstra. This is an industry standard. So Vodafone and Optus and all those can get on board as well. It's just going to require a lot of deals being done with satellite providers and low earth orbit satellites you're going to hear a lot about. But in the end, the bottom line is when you hear the term 5G advanced, and that's probably the iPhone in 2025, maybe the Samsung in early 2025, but we are talking a year and a half away where it's quite possible you'll be able to stand anywhere in Australia and make a phone call. And I, for one, think that is the best advance that we've ever had in mobile. Okay, so Telstra and Optus and Vodafone aren't launching satellites into space. They're going to be using existing satellites. They'll use, well, what's happening is you've got Elon Musk, you've got Amazon, you've mm. got Google. There's a bunch of people putting low-Earth orbit satellites into space. Mm. Um, and so what they'll do is they'll pair with them and, and it'll be, a, you know, basically it's like them building towers, but they're just renting the, the space from them. So yeah. there's a bigger issue around how many buddy satellites are in space and whether there's going to be congestion and calamity up there. But that's a whole separate story that we need to think about another day. We'll think about that another day. There you go. It's called 5G Advanced, folks. Uh, and most here first on yeah, the night shift. Yeah, exclusively. If, well, not exclusively. Trevor's going to tell everyone today. But you heard it. Yeah, here but f- it was exclusive. I heard it. it was, I said it here first. You said it here first. You'll hear it everywhere I did say else. It on the Today Show last week. Actually, yeah, sh- shut up. <laughs> you know the. Um, you don't hear this on sunrise. I'll tell you that. Right. You know, um, I'm amazed they keep asking me back. So am I. Yeah, it'll be a big nothing. Six fifty this Friday. No boner. You watch. Uh, this TikTok uh, default screen time limit of one hour, mm. I wonder, just listen to me now because I'm an ideas man. We're, everyone's mm. in, admitting that we have a problem with uh, gambling, especially when it comes to poker machines. Mm. I wonder if a government will one day say there's going to be a time limit on if every poker machine in every licensed premises in whatever, New South mm. Wales or wherever, and you will not be able to play a poker machine for more than 60 minutes. It will have a default time. It will turn itself off. But what if I'm about to get my money back? 
Yeah, but you don't know if you're about to get your money back. But you always are. You're always about to get it That's back. That's why people keep playing the bloody things. Oh, ne- That's why the, the, the thing I say to my kids when we talk about because I, I gamble a little bit here and there, you know, to bet on the Formula and whatever. And I say to my kids, let me tell you this, kids, these companies that you gamble with, they're stock market listed. They make money. If they're losing money, then you're a chance of winning. But they're not. They're making money. Of course, Trevor. I mean, you look at some of the size of these clubs in New South Wales. You go to Las Vegas. Go to Las Vegas and look at Caesars Palace and tell me. I know you do. But go to Las Vegas and look at Caesars Palace and tell me if you reckon they're losing money. No, they're not. But let let me just, last thing I'll say in the pokies, I don't want to get editorialised here. No, editorialised, go on. the, The clubs contribute to the community. And, you know, local sporting clubs. At what percentage, um, though? What percentage? But if that stops, then who's going to keep funding? Who, who's going to fund the local sports groups? You know, that's that's a problem. That's going to be a problem. There's going to be tens of thousands of dollars in essentially every suburb, every, uh, you know, electorate um, removed from the, you know, sponsorship of local I put sports. That, I put that very point to the Reverend Tim Costello, who you know, and uh, who's, who's into gambling reform. He's not about prohibition. He knows that Australians love a bet. He's, he's talking about laundering and, and, and uh, you know, yep. criminal activity associated with poker machines. But I put that to him. I said, what about the enormous amount of money that clubs and pubs put back yep. into the community? He said, it's just a fraction. He said, it's token. It's that it, 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 he said. Look yeah, well, at, ask your local soccer soccer club. You know whether it's token the you know sponsorship they get from yeah, the club, and yeah. if they lose it, how they're going to perform? No, it's a very. And also, let me tell you this: if there's a cashless gaming card, I'll never gamble. I'll never use pokies again. So there's actually going to be a drop in pokey revenue because I'm not going to go and get a card. I just want to put twenty bucks in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get it. It's a problem for some people, and that needs to be addressed. And I get it. There's crime and there's laundering, but for Joe Public. I just want to put twenty bucks in the pokey. Yeah, if you can't put twenty bucks in the pokey, just yeah, just randomly, are you going to spend that twenty bucks on gambling on sport and the internet, or are you going to go buy scratchies, or are you going to go buy a lottery ticket? I don't, I don't know how I'd use it to be honest, because that's a that's a thing. It's that it's that discretionary twenty bucks that's just in your pocket. So no, I don't yeah, know. It's a it's a bloody, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Anyway, hey, listen, good, good to talk again. It's great to be back. When when do we see you on Channel Nine? Um, I don't know. Whatever day they call. Yeah, that was yesterday, man. I did a lot yesterday. Okay, right. Well, keep an eye I'm for exhausted. keep an eye for Seven Sunrises Friday. You never know. I've never watched and won't start now. Goodbye. Unless they call and offer me a massive contract. Oh, then yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they call and offer you some folding. Oh, you watch. You'll be a big fan. <laughs> hey, listen, Trevor Long, EFTM, everything for the man. Have a great day. I wake up with today. Oh Jesus. The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Okay, look, n- enough mucking around. Stuart. Luke. Stuart. Luke, I've got it. Go, sure. go. Measure me out. Miss Free Love, 69 Hoodoo Guru. You kidding? No? No. Yes. Stuart, back to the drawing board. There'll be another clue on our podcast today. Um... Clayton, good day. Hey, Luke, how you going? Very good, Clayton. I think it might be April Sun in Cuba. Yeah, sounds like it. No. Ah, I'm very, yeah. very sorry. Good day, Steve. Yep. Yes, Steve. Yep. Uh, Joyride by Roxette. No, nowhere near. Nowhere near. Uh, John, good morning. 
Morning, Luke. Yes, Jono. Um, is it under the Milky Way by the church? No, but we're sort of getting closer now, John. Uh, okay, Mark. Where are you, Mark? Yeah, I'm in Druin, mate. Where? Druin, Victoria. Druin, Victoria. Good morning. What's what's up? Uh, the quickie. Yeah, the quickie. I think it might be uh, happy birthday, Helen. Things That's a very good guess, but no. Thanks, mate. Okay, so Thomas. Yes, Luke. Our clues are... It's the third single lifted from a very, very popular album. We've got yes. the year now. It's 1991. Yes. Um, uni students, well, something about uni students yeah, in, a, in a house. Uni, uni, uni students, students in a house. In a rental During the rental crisis, yes. And what was your clue today? Uh, it's not quite a wooden performance, isn't it? It's not very wooden at all. That's the quickie. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The night shift triple M, folks. It is Tuesday, March seven. Let's look at the news you're waking up to today in all its detail. Maddie Larson joins me live from Triple M News. Good morning to you, Madeline. Good morning, Luke. Gosh, we've got lots to go through when it comes to the cost of living again today. We have indeed, and the Reserve Bank is meeting, and what everyone's predicting a quarter of one percent again. Yeah, that's right. A 10th consecutive rate rise today. So that would bring it up to 3.6%. Of course, that's just what economists are tipping. So we'll just have to wait and see when they uh, the RBA meets later this morning. But yeah, we're now seeing those uh, rate hikes passed on to renters as well. So we're not just talking about a nervous morning for those paying off a home, but even renters wondering if their landlord might uh, pop up uh, the price uh, that they pay each week too. Uh, some actually telling us they're scared to bring up up anything that needs fixing in case they're pushed out of their homes. Uh, while those paying off a home are also feeling the pinch, um, let alone if they see another increase. Now, we spoke to some listeners and uh, they said that they've had to uh, decrease the amount of money that they're spending already. Uh, take a listen. Spending less on takeaway, uh, making coffee at home. With one of my friends, we chat a bit about money and um, how we're going with that. And we're trying to sort of talk about it more so we can kind of keep on top of our funds. We want to save money we kind of have to bite the bullet and move somewhere that we don't really want to and many people of course are also uh, coming off of uh, those uh, fixed uh, interest rates too so they'll be feeling feeling that one too um, and speaking more about how hard it is to rent um, is, um, it comes with uh, it, new stats revealing that the number of properties that are actually available below $400 has nearly halved in the past year. So it's quite difficult for those that are actually looking for a cheaper home as we deal with this cost of living pressure. So you can understand why they're finding this so difficult. Um, what have you been uh, hearing from your listeners? Luke? Yeah, it is It is very, very difficult. And you're absolutely right, Maddie. A lot of renters are very, very nervous to say anything about their property. You know, the stove might need fixing or even a screen door because they're, they're, they're worried that the landlord will say, out you go. So it's it's a worrying time. A quarter of 1% is going to make life a lot more difficult. The 10th interest rate hike in a row, but surely we're close to getting uh, a handle on inflation. So look, we'll have to wait and see, but that's later today. Um, transport workers are holding protests outside Aldi locations across the country today. 
Yeah, so uh, you've got that one right. Transport workers are leading the charge, uh, calling for the supermarket giant to sign on to a supply chain charter. Now, both Coles and Woolies have already already put pen to paper to create a fairer deal for transport workers, but Aldi has refused. Now, this all comes after the collapse of Australia's largest cold chain operator, Scott's Refrigerated Logistics, that's impacted around 1,500 jobs. Now, you spoke with uh, Rod Hannaford from the National Road Freighters Association earlier this morning and yeah he told you that drivers were allegedly left in the dark. It would seem that they've been in trouble for a while but of course the drivers have been the last to find out as per normal and I had a bloke ring me his wife worked for them and said that um, he'd heard that it was all finished. So, yeah, quite sad stories coming out there. Obviously, we'll be finding out a bit more info today, but for anyone that's wondering what's going on at their Aldi stores today, that is the reason why. Um, Yeah, we'll wait and see uh, what the outcome of those protests are too. Yeah, question is, and by the way, it looks as though the federal government will be backing uh, those, well, 1,500 workers who are now going to be denied their entitlements. Should the federal government be bailing these people out when the people who own the company are billionaires, should governments bail out mm. failing businesses? They, 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 they did it for the Australian car manufacturing uh, uh, sector for a long, long time. Or even Qantas during the exactly. pandemic. And as we saw, they made a, a massive profit and won't be returning uh, that taxpayer money. But I think in this case, you're not just bailing out billionaires, but you, you're bailing out those 1,500 truckies um, which I, I think, you know, when you spoke with Rod, there's ones with families, they've got to put food on the table. So I think when we talk about bailing out big business, um, it's it's also all the employees that are behind it too. But yeah, it's definitely something that we, we're just seeing so much lately when it comes mm. to the cost of everything. Even the building industry has collapsed a lot lately. Well, too. I don't know if you remember, but back in 2018, Red Star, another massive trucking company, went broke. And those people, those workers, are still waiting for their money. Still. And, and, yeah. and from memory, Maddie, that all, all those Red Star employees were sacked four days before Christmas. Anyway, there mm. you are. Hey, listen. Uh, Tesla has cut the cost of its electric cars, really? Yeah. I mean, what do you reckon the reason is? <laughs> Take a guess. Mm, they're not selling. I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the cost of living. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so basically, uh, it, the Tesla's facing challenges as higher borrowing costs weigh on buyers and rival, rivals offer more electric options. So to keep themselves competitive, they've had to drop these prices to try and boost sales. So yeah, just as we're talking about how expensive it is to rent and to even own a business or to pay off a home, um, yeah, I suppose buying an electric car, while we do want to um, help the environment, it might be the last thing that a lot of people can think about at the moment. Is an electric car on your shopping list, uh, on your pro- list of priorities? Uh, definitely. I I mean, see, in the really? future, not right now. I mean, if, if, if things improve, I would like to, but at the same time, I do look at uh, electricity costs becoming more expensive as well, so you have to weigh up. Is petrol more expensive? Yep, it's getting more expensive. Is electricity more expensive? Yes, it's also more expensive. Which one is less expensive? I've got to be absolutely honest with you. Um, We got Mm. solar panels put on the roof of our house three years ago. Uh, Mm. Yes, it was subsidised because it's not cheap. 
And I don't know how environmentally friendly these panels are going to be when they run out, that they might end up as landfill. But can I say our electricity bill is a fraction of what it was. So there you are. Mm. There you are. Hey, Maddie Larson, you have yourself a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday, and we'll talk tomorrow, yeah? This sounds great. Thanks, Luke. Have a great day. There she is, Maddie Larson, and the news you're waking up to today, Tuesday, March 7. Um, I'm going to give you another clue on the uh, on the quickie, but it's for people who can download the listener app or who already have, and uh, it'll be exclusively for our podcasters. Uh, tomorrow's clue will be there today. Hopefully you can join us then. Have a great day today, folks. I'll catch you later. Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday soon. Monday is washing day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.